Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring your hosts, Heisey Luckmers and Charlie Harrington. The Amethyst Oracle. Delves into life, death, and everything betwixt between and beyond. Between and beyond. Between and beyond. With a clear twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Harrington and Heisey Wattenbuehler. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us once again. My name is Hi C, and I am one of your hosts this evening, the other being Charlie Harrington, who will be joining us shortly. <clears throat> and we'd like to thank you for tuning in. This is a kind of a special episode that we do each year where we use the tarot and a little bit of some other things to take a peek at the upcoming year 2015 in this case and we go through all of the zodiac signs to try to see what it is that that year may hold for you just in an overall kind of thematic way so hopefully you have a little something to take some notes with because we're going to be giving you some key dates we'll be looking at a little bit of astrology for the year and also maybe just some key points that you want to try to keep in mind as we talk about the different signs and the cards for each of those and what they have in store now um if you would like to join us on our Facebook page, we would invite you to do that, facebook.com slash theamethistorical. We would be happy to have you join us there for your comments, feedback, questions to continue the conversation about something that we happen to talk about here on the show. And you can always like us on that page, and we would be happy to have you there. Uh, You can also hear archives of any of our shows at any time after they have aired by either coming to Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com slash Firefly Willows Live. All of the shows are there. Or on iTunes, you can also do a quick search there. Um, If you do a quick search for Firefly Willows Live, then it should pop up pretty easily and quickly. And that will uh, let you listen download, or you can even subscribe to it as a podcast, and then you would automatically get the shows there. There are a number of shows here under the Firefly Willows Live channel, and Amethyst Oracle is one of those shows. Um, I I see I host uh, another of the shows on the second Sundays of each month called Revolution. Um, My next one will be coming up this coming Sunday, actually, at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, and my guest is going to be uh, Zara Indigo. Uh, Ronlov, who uh, has, she does a number of things. She's a priestess, she's an alchemical healer, and she also founded and is executive director of a foundation called the Zara Foundation, which focuses on 
reclaiming discarded materials and using them in a new way. Um, and I think you'll find that very interesting, both from her eco-psychological perspective, as well as where she's been doing that. The primary focus initially has actually been in Egypt, and they have uh, been very successful there. They've done a number of uh, trips over there, and so I would encourage you to uh, tune in and check it out. So the other shows you can also find on Blog Talk Radio. Um, there's information about them. Uh, you can also find information about them at, uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash fireflywillows. And uh, you can also sign up for our newsletter that we send out, which just all, all we send out our information on each of the shows that are coming up to let you know when they're airing, who the guest is, what the theme or the information is for the show, and um, if you would like to do that, you can just go to the Facebook page and click on uh, subscribe to newsletter, I think it is. It's one of the little tabs right there along the top, and you can get information that way on a regular basis. So I'm going to go ahead and see if I can bring in uh, my co-host, um, Charlie Harrington, who is trying to connect in, and we're also waiting on Blog Talk, having a, a little bit of an issue <laughs> with Blog Talk's connection. Uh, so the other thing that I wanted to uh, mention is that we do offer um, readings live here on the air during the show towards the latter part of the show, and if you would like to receive a reading during the show, you can do so by Skyping in from the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510. So if you want to get into the queue in order to receive a reading, just Skype in or give us a call, and you can press 1, I believe it is, when you call in, and that will get you into the queue so that we will know you are waiting for a reading. And now let me see. I believe that my co-host is now connected into the studio. Are you there, Charlie? Hi, hi, see how are you doing? I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm so ready to talk about rocks and space and burning gas. <laughs> and All right. the effect it has on our little lives. It's true, <laughs> huh? Yeah, anytime you had add, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm, uh, next year seems to be a doozy <laughs> from what I've been it reading. It is true. Uh, it is true. But let us not frighten people off from listening. <laughs> no, um, no. This is your emergency plan. Like, we're the voices. Uh, you know, like if the television, you know, you hear like, dude, you know, like the emergency broadcast system and it was astrologers telling you like, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> Just trust your instincts. <laughs> I like, I think there should be an emergency astrological broadcast system. You know, just don't don't listen to a Scorpio this week. Venus is square <laughs> well, Neptune. Get out. <laughs> but, but actually, that's that's really what astrology is. And I'm not talking about like horoscopes in terms of the daily horoscopes in the newspaper kind of thing. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But really, astrology is kind of our warning system in the sense of understanding what energetic weather patterns are moving through. Yes. So we know best how to either prepare to work with them, to take advantage of them, to maybe just take the day off. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> you know, so, so that's why I find it worthwhile to check astrological information. 
um, because it really gives us kind of that that warning system to know what yeah. to plan for and, and what to be ready for. Yeah. So. It's the macro, if I'm using the correct version one, it's the macrocosm. So I might give someone a personal reading and we're looking at like the microcosm, but the whole, uni- it's like doing a reading for the universe, right? Like if the universe is like tarot cards were planets and moons yeah. and stars, then there we go. I guess it would be the earth. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so um, and well, so and that actually brings me to something that I wanted to mention. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I went to a conference in San Francisco. Uh, it was called Dark Odyssey Surrender, and granted, it's not a conference for everyone. But um, one thing that came up in one of the presentations that I went to, um, one of the things that they were talking about was attentiveness versus anticipation. And they said that, you know, what they said was, you know, anticipation basically means you go into something uh, feeling as if it either has to go really right or really wrong because you anticipate it going one way or you envision how it's going to be. And if it doesn't live up to that, then you feel either it failed or you failed or it was totally wrong. Whereas attentiveness says... You may have a vision of what you would like for it to look like, but you go in staying very conscientious and aware and in the present moment, and you're attentive to the details and to what's going on. So even if something doesn't go as planned, you still are able to be with it and work with that rather than to just feel as if, oh, now everything has gone wrong and now it's all going to be a failure. And (laughs) one thing that made me think, because you were talking about the astrology, is if we can get a sense of the overall weather patterns that are coming, even if they might seem like, oh, no, then Mm -hmm. if we can be attentive to simply paying attention to when those are moving through and how it may be best to be acting, we can actually come through it much more productively and successfully Mm -hmm. than if we go into it with anticipation of, because anticipation can also be bad. We might hear, you know, the, the month of January is going to be horrible astrologically and, you know, problem, problem, problem. So if we're already <laughs> anticipating problems, then mm-hmm. we may end up creating self-fulfilling prophecy by doing things that seem to want to set it up to live up to what we've already been told to anticipate or expect. If we're attentive, it just means I know I, I know what I'm going into but mm-hmm. I'm going to simply stay aware and present, and I'm just going to work with what is in the moment and be mm-hmm. attentive to that. Then we can move through it much better. And I think we find that in readings as well. If we can go in, I think sometimes readers have a, a that they're, they're, you know, we're all human, but mm-hmm. um, sometimes readers, I think, go into a reading, and based on the question that somebody has asked, they already anticipate what they think the cards are going to say or what cards are going to come up. And when All they, the time. And if they're different, then they often will try to work what came up around to what they anticipated the message to be, rather mm-hmm. than simply being attentive to what cards came up so that they can simply present the message that is there and, and find the way to work through that and what would be best with the client in that way, instead of anticipating what it's going to be and then not seeing that and either feeling like, well, something is wrong, I'm not getting the right message, (laughs) which means I, as a reader, have failed, or something is wrong, it's not coming up the way I thought, which somehow is saying the tarot has failed, therefore I need to twist this around to what Mm. I anticipated 
being or how do I get good. this round peg into my favorite square hole, right? Like, <laughs> um, I think because the, the person didn't just come to you for your sort of wise words, and they came for a reading. And if the reading is positive, where you think it should be negative, or vice versa, like our goal in that our, our role in that moment is to like reflect on that new piece of information rather than to like, no, I have to tell this. Person. I, I, for example, if someone asks you, hmm, well. If a young lady asks you, um, you know, there's this guy. Will he and I ever be together? And just the, the wording of that, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a no. This has to be a no. If they're going to be together, they'd be together. That's not. He's just not that into you. Let me do the reading. And like when it's positive, I actually have a hard time giving that reading, even though it's a positive. Like you want to give a positive love reading, but I just keep searching for the other shoe, you know. Right. Which is well, I, I think ridiculous. And, and <laughs> I, I think in a similar well, I think in a similar way, it's like if somebody asked the question, you know, I'm married, but I've been having an affair, and I'm trying to decide who should I try to reconcile in my marriage, or should I pursue a relationship with the person I'm having an affair with? And I think a lot of people would immediately anticipate that the cards are going to somehow say that having the affair is wrong. They may not say to reconcile in your marriage, but it's going to point to certainly that doesn't mean have a uh, you know try to develop a relationship with the person you're having an affair with. But if it's like, let's say that you had three cards, one for the person asking, one for the other person, and one for the relationship, and here we're looking at the affair person, and you uh-huh. get like the Ace of Cups for the person asking, the Knight of Cups for the person they're having an affair with, and the Ten of Cups for the relationship. <laughs> You know, it's like, well, it's, <laughs> it's all good. That, yeah. I mean, is that, you know, but a, but a reader may look at that and having anticipated that it would need to say something negative about having an affair, mm-hmm. that they would perhaps try to find that even in that set of cards, rather than simply being attentive to what is there mm-hmm. and allowing that to be what it is. Yeah. And then, of course, on the flip side, when you have people who come for a reading, if we could teach them to come in to be attentive rather than anticipatory, because they often are coming in anticipating hearing what they want to hear. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's hard. You know, you have to create this intimate relationship. Kind of what we talked about with Rabbit. You know, you have to create this intimate relationship, have an ending, and then have it be meaningful. And there are the, the check-in clients. Right, like the sure. Like, I, this is what I think I'm doing. Is that okay? You know, and the, the Oracle of Delphi got those clients. Like, if you look at the readings of the Oracle of Delphi, it's like, should this person, should I marry this person? Like, yes, no. Um, but uh, there might be the you just you're just gonna get questions you don't expect. Like, right. You know, and it's it's like they're not asking for your morals. Now you can morally not answer a question, but <laughs> but it's you true. Know, but why not just try it? Give it a whirl. So shall we <laughs> begin think, with... Oh, sorry. I was just saying, but I think that attentive, I think, simply means being receptive to the information or message that is coming through, whereas mm-hmm. anticipation says, I'm waiting to hear what I expected or wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. a really good lesson that I think we could apply in life in general. If we go into yeah. a situation, into a conversation with someone, you know, whatever it is, if we can go in receptive and open to see what does this have to say to me and am I really listening versus I'm already writing the script in my head and I'm not really listening because I'm anticipating them saying something, so I need to be prepared with my response before they do. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> confirmation bias. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I just toss I, that out yeah. for people as an end of the year thing to think about as they go into the new year, perhaps a resolution to try to be more attentive and to be less prone to anticipation. How is that? I think that (laughs) makes it. I just keep thinking of uh, Rocky Horror. I see you quiver with anticipation. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's hard. I think that that's when, like, the people who read their daily horoscope, that can create, um, until at least 10 a.m., that can create this sort of, like... um, hungry sort of observance of the world. Like, is it there? Is it there? Is it here? Is it there? <laughs> you know, whereas I, I like what, how we're doing the astrology, which is sort of the, the longer view. That's right. There we go. So I think, um, I think what we'll do, we'll take a little break, but before we do, we're just going to explain what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to have um, an astrology segment for each, for each quarter of the year. So we'll have uh, a basic uh, astrology information for the first three months of the year, and then we'll look at the first three signs, and then we'll have a little bit of astrology for the next three months, and then we'll look at the next three signs. So just so people know, that's going to be the format. And once we finish looking at all of them, we're also going to give you just a little suggestion based on all of the cards that came up as to which signs seem to be best for working with or allying with or supporting in some way and perhaps which signs might be better to uh, avoid <laughs> or may not be most beneficial <laughs> for you. Anticipate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Stay aware. <laughs> yes. So we'll give people a moment to gather up whatever they want to use for note-taking. We're going to take a quick little break, and when we come back, we'll start with January, February, March for the astrology, as well as Aries, Taurus, and Gemini as the first three signs that we will be looking at. So we will be right back.
You're listening to the Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, with hosts High C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. And welcome back. I am High C, joined by my esteemed co-host, Charlie Harrington. I think of myself and being a bit more steamy <laughs> than esteemed if we're, if we're, you know, if we're taking notes. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you the mixed-steamy of the tarot world? There we go. <laughs> so, so this is going to kick off our 2015 predictions. And we will start with just a little bit of a look at the astrology. Um, just a quick overview for the year in general. Um, we're coming near the end, which everyone is going to breathe a big sigh of relief, of what is called the Pluto-Uranus square. And this has been going on since 2011. Uh, December actually is, this this particular December we're in right now, is actually um, one of its key moments. So this can be a particularly hmm, um, challenging and disruptive month. Um, a bit explosive, especially with a lot of things around themes that relate to uh, feeling empowered, personal liberties, taking power back, overthrowing old systems, and that kind of thing, which I see, I think we see perfectly clearly with the protests and things that are going on. Um, and then there is the final one will be in March. And that's going to be kind of this culmination point. It's kind of that breakthrough moment where this is what it's all been leading to. And I know we all feel very exhausted. <laughs> Um, and it's like, I just can't deal with any more change right now and that kind of thing. We're almost to the end of it. And, you know, it, it, it's it's been a roller coaster. And probably for the first few months of the year, it'll still feel like a roller coaster. But after March and as we get into April and start to head through the rest of the year, things are really going to start to feel like they've lightened up, like they are moving forward a little more smoothly we're going to feel as if we're processing and working with what has changed rather than being confronted by constant change over and over again. Um, so, you know, if we can just hang in there, know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and that's really kind of that March time frame. March is going to be a bit challenging, I will just tell you now. <laughs> but um, it's it's really that culmination moment, and when we are likely to have our biggest breakthrough or kind of realize what this has been all about or where this has been all taking us. Um, another thing that uh, I will mention is that we're going to have um, all of the Mercury retrogrades in the coming year are going to be in air signs. And, and so that's those are probably going to be periods where we see some significant um, innovations and inventions that come about. If you're feeling like you really want to try something new or you have an invention you really want to, to try out, those Mercury retrograde periods would probably be a really good time to be focusing on those or working on those because you're likely to get these um, our minds, it's like our minds will be racing and, and new ideas are just going to sprout up every other second and whatever we put our minds to, we're suddenly going to have this innovative and inventive way of seeing it or working with it or what to do with it. So really pay attention to when those Mercury retrogrades are happening. Mercury retrogrades don't have to be a bad thing. We just have to understand what kind of energy it is and then work with it properly. Um, so that would be something to also pay attention to in the coming year is those Mercury retrograde periods. Also, with Mercury retrograde being um, in air signs, it's going to be a really good year for things that are very mental-based, like studying, 
um, again, inventing, thinking about things, innovating. So, you know, if you if there's something that you've wanted to study, if there's something that you've wanted to learn that is new in some way, this is going to be a really good year to do that. Uh, so think about that and, and maybe consider initiating that during one of these Mercury retrograde periods. Um, you know, winter. So what, what I'm going to talk about now is January, February, March in particular. And, you know, we're going to call that winter. <laughs> so um, it's probably going to be the most turbulent uh, time period of the year, um, especially both global event wise, we're probably going to see the continuation of some things that are going on as well as perhaps the explosion of things um, that have been kind of percolating. Uh, and on a personal level, um, we probably will find that, well, actually, if we wait until mm, around October, towards uh, from October through the end of the year, um, that will be a really volatile period when there's a really, really um, strong, vital energy that will be coursing through everything that can really allow us to make significant breakthroughs. So if there's something that you're really thinking about that is a significant breakthrough of some sort or you really want to give a big push to, you might plan for it, lay the foundation, get things prepared, and then really October through the end of the year is really the, the key time to be pushing through the walls, if you will, to be applying that pressure. Um, so some significant dates for January, February, March. Um, January 3rd through February 15th. We have something that's called a, a nodal T-square. We have the nodes in, in the zodiac, and um, they're going to be at a T-square, and it's going to interact with the Uranus square Pluto. And, you know, if you think of the, the, the nodes, um, nodes are what make eclipses possible, and nodes are like a cosmic crossroads, um, and it's where the sun and the moon um, intersect. And these that, that nodal T-square, it's like this aha moment that happens. And so especially from January 3rd through February 15th, it's going to be really important to stay grounded. Um, one of the big reasons for that is because we have that Mercury retrograde in an air sign during that time. And, and air signs can be a bit flighty and we can kind of get lost in the clouds and our head is just kind of spinning and all of that. So especially for the first couple of months of the year, pay attention to what you do to stay grounded and centered and put a extra attention and effort into doing that on a regular basis to be diligent about that practice um, because you're really going to need it. Um, and February 14th, I know for the U.S. it's Valentine's Day, but um, there's something, series conjunct Pluto. So February 14th, you want to really make time for quiet contemplation because what's going on right at that day is really, really good for going inward. And in a sense, it's kind of like if we don't do it, we're going to kind of be pushed to do it. Um, we may see it in literal ways because we may see weather events that happen where like there's a loss of electricity or uh, something like that. Um, so think of February 14th, not so much as, as being out and about, but really as a time for quiet contemplation. If you're in a relationship and you wanted to do the Valentine's Day thing, Make it a quiet evening and maybe do it where you have some intimate conversation rather than being out partying and that kind of thing. Um, January 21st through February 11th will be the first Mercury retrograde of the year. That'll be Mercury retrograde in Aquarius. And, you know, Aquarius tends to want to 
make the world better. And with Mercury retrograde, retrograde is about going inward. And so with Mercury retrograde in Aquarius, January 21st through February 11th, um, what we really want to do is we want to, to turn our focus inward and really pay attention to how we can better ourselves and 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 change ourselves rather than trying to change and fix the world around us. So instead of really what it would say with the Mercury retrograde is especially during that period, if we tend to try to fix situations outside of us, if we're trying to fix people and their situations, we may find that that backfires. So if we can focus more on how we need to be bettering ourselves and our lives, we'll find that that will then have a ripple effect as we move out of the Mercury retrograde. So again, that's, um, January 21st to February 11th. Uh, March 3rd and 4th, um, we have Jupiter retrograde trine Uranus, and that is going to be an extremely good moment for things like luck and positive energy that gets infused into things. It's a really good time for change, for new inventions. So if you have something you really want to try to attract, that you want to put some luck and positive energy around, that you really think is is new and exciting that you want to put out into your life or into the world think of march 3rd and 4th as a really key time for for doing that for making that push march 17th uh is when we have the last uranus square pluto key moment um and this is where we're going to really see like the things that are going on right now we're not going to probably see end. We're going to see them continue and they're going to kind of build and there's going to be a culmination point that'll happen in March, probably around that mid-March time frame. Because this final Uranus square Pluto moment, it's like it's throwing fuel on the flames of rebellion. And so we're already seeing that and it's just going to continue to build and that's going to kind of be its breaking point. Um, And on uh, March 11th in particular, actually, it's leading into that. Um, Mars is conjunct Uranus, and that can be a very, very dangerous day when you have that particular um, aspect. So that could be when you want to really play it safe <laughs> to some extent. Um, it's when you want to maybe stay out of the line of fire. Um, we may see some particularly volatile and particularly, uh, unfortunately, we may see some rather bloody, I guess you could say, um, developments or culminations from some of the things that are going on right now. Um, and and also, you know, for March 17th, that, that Uranus-Square-Pluto aspect, it's like you can either use that energy in a way that is like enhancing our spiritual power. It's kind of that energy that really feeds the artist. Um, or we can use it in a lower way. Uh, for for things that are putting our energy towards creating and manifesting things that are perhaps not in the highest or best interest for us or for other people, so really be a uh, we can be very influenced by the power of symbols during that time. So really question and double check things. Don't take stories at their word. Um, you know, don't fall for the the symbols and the propaganda and the things that may be put out around that time because there's probably a lot that is not quite uh, trustworthy about it. And it would probably end up being very dangerous to follow it or believe it. So that's March 17th. Um, And then March 20th, we have a solar eclipse in Pisces. And 
Um, that is really that end of the tunnel that I was talking about. So if we can just keep our sights set towards the end of March, know that that light is there. We're, we're heading towards the final stretch of things. And probably around that, that eclipse time of March 20th, we're going to have kind of this breakthrough moment, that aha aspect of understanding where this has all been leading us or what this has all been about. Now, it doesn't just all fall into place overnight, of course, but at least we start to have a sense of, oh, now I know why, then I can start working with rather than constantly being faced and pummeled by things and not having any time to catch our breath and say, why is this happening versus now I understand and now what am I going to do with it? And that's probably where we're going to kind of start to feel or be in the mind space of towards the end of March. So that is the first quarter of the year astrologically, the weather system that mm. is moving through with some key dates. And now looking specifically at Aries, so uh, predictions for people who are born with a sun sign Aries, but also how people can sort of work with that Aries time of the year. I drew the nine of cups. And, and I also just want to... Uh, and, oh, yeah. and I also just want to mention, not just for sun sign, if you know your mm -hmm. uh, natal chart, mm -hmm. you can, like if, if Aries is your rising sign or if Aries is your moon sign, you can still apply what this has to say to what that particular aspect of a mm -hmm. sign represents. So, yes. you know, for people listening, don't you don't have to just listen for your sun sign. You can also listen for, I always think of the sun, the rising and the moon as kind of the, the big triumvirate um, for the big picture. And yes. you can really listen to all of those and put them all together. So don't think that if you're not an Aries, Aries may still play an important part in your chart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you'll be you'll be around during this time. And also, yes, we're, we're an astrological cocktail <laughs> of different signs. So if your moon sign is an Aries, maybe this applies more to you on an internal level or on... Uh, sort of an inner spiritual level or romantically. So um, I got the Nine of Cups. And it's interesting, Heisey, when you were talking, you mentioned several times the word explosive. And I look at this Nine of Cups associated with Aries and what's going on at, during that time. And um, to me, the meaning for the, the Nine of Cups here would be opportunistic. That for some people, for, ma for many people, the Nine of Cups is the wish card, the I wish. And um, I think that's sometimes misunderstood as, um, well, you know, just wish and it'll come true. Wish upon a star and you'll manifest, speak by the secret, you know, and <laughs> thinking good thoughts. But no, um, with with Aries do well in chaos. They, they're a fire sign. They, they, they thrive in conflict. Um, and I'm not... I think that's a negative thing. You know, someone has to do well in chaos. Uh, so I think that an Aries, or the, the Aries part of yourself, or during the time of Aries, um, being opportunistic and seeing where the seeds of change are, you know, sprouting. I don't know where my metaphor is going there. You know, change is happening. What is the change? You know, people say be the change that you want to see in the world. That will be, you know, this is a time to... Where well, it might you know, for other signs or for people more associated with you know earth or or water, this might seem like a time to be in your shell. Uh, for Aries, this is going to be a time of getting what 
you want. And remember, it's it's the nine of cup, uh, cups. It's you've got you've already gone through the whole gamut of of that suit. You know, like uh, dreaming it and then seeing it happen and changing with it. And nine of cups is sort of seizing that moment and having things as you would like them. So I think that Aries look for opportunities. Look for uh times when it's it's like the universe or your inner, you know, guide is telling you go now. This is the time. This is establish yourself. Uh to me the the 9 of cups is about um uh taking yes for an answer. You know, um a lot of times um especially mystical types we just want to wait and be sure and be certain that we're not doing something at the uh, the wrong time for others or where you know we're taking too much um this is a time to be present and to um some of the nine, the nine of cups and aries intersection for me is being able to fill the room up with yourself so it's a self full kind of thing to do but um during that 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 fiery explosive as i see mentioned time of the year there really are it is the status quo will be shaken, and it's time for your um, desires to be in the forefront. Does that make does that does that resonate, Heisey? It does. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my Aries. Go you. You've got a good one. Nine of Cups is one of the. Um, uh, it's a nice card. So <laughs> I, uh, it's the I wish card. So have it. Get what you need. Get your inner princess bride as you wish going and establish yourself during times of change. So, All right. Which brings us astrologically to my to, to the most noble sign, really, to the sign of the true, uh, you know, dear soul, the 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 shining sort of beacon you you know it's it's the probably the, the most the most highest incarnation really if we can think about but, it that way but we're not we're not at capricorn yet <laughs> <laughs> tell us about no. taurus brings us to taurus <clears throat> so for taurus we have the four of swords reversed and one thing that this would say is this is a year where it's time for you to take your head out of the sand it is time for you to to face reality and to stop pretending and to get on with things. Because when the Four of Swords reverses, it says that it's time for action, that the period of thinking things through, of pondering, of considering what to do is over. And it's now time to act. Things that have been postponed or delayed or put off, if there's been procrastination around something, you may find that either circumstances kind of force it to have to be dealt with or move forward. It's kind of like we can't ignore it or we can't put it off any longer. Um, or even if they're not forced, it says if there has been something that we've been putting off, this will be the year to probably start taking action or doing something with it or about it in order to move it forward. Um I would also say that the Four of Swords reverse will probably indicate a year where how you have gotten very comfortable in thinking is probably going to start shifting beneath your feet. Um, 
where you have been kind of set or felt very secure and stable in your thoughts, your perspective, you're probably going to find that that will no longer hold ground. It will no longer give you the kind of stability and security that it has previously. And instead of desperately trying to cling on to it and and convince yourself as to why it's still true or still valid, this is a year where it's asking you to be open to new ways of thinking, new perspectives, to set aside the old way of thinking and to approach it or think about it in a new way, to be innovative in your thinking around it rather than to be stayed and stoic in your way of thinking. So for me, I would look at the Four of Swords reverse and say 2015, the key aspects of it are probably it's time to take our head out of the sand and face reality. Stop pretending that things are a certain way, even though when we look at them in the light of reality day, they are not. Um, To take action on things that have either been put off or postponed or to recognize that certain things that we've been trying to procrastinate about can no longer wait. And that how we have been used to thinking or how we have been comfortable in thinking or in our perspective on things is no longer going to hold true. And therefore, let us be willing to start shifting that thinking rather than trying to force things to fit the way we've always thought so that we don't have to challenge our own thoughts and belief systems and that kind of thing. So there is Taurus for 2015, Charlie. Poor things. Just the poor things. So... um, (laughs) Sometimes the card for a sign is like, oh, this really complements that sign's ideal nature. And sometimes it suggests um, going against the grain (laughs) astrologically. And that's true for Gemini. Uh, Gemini, I got the emperor. And I have um, my rising sign actually is in Gemini, if you can believe it. And um, Gemini, they, they tend to have that dual nature, the, the the sort of desire to sort of see the both sides of, of things, that the um to not really get pinned down with anything. They sort of don't want to stop exploring and um the Emperor for Gemini suggests that this this time and this year is uh it's very important to that you are understood that you are clear and then you are establishing boundaries um, for yourself. The emperor, um, he facilitates that exploration by defining it. Um, So this is sort of the year of looking at maybe the different, different, different aspects of self. Sometimes you take a little, little self evaluation. You look at all of your, all of all of your passions, your pastimes, the the things you want to you know spend your energy on, and sometimes you have to edit a few of them out. And I think Gemini would benefit from that editing. Um, so first, be clear with yourself. What is it I'm? What what am I trying to do here? What is the end game? And how do I give myself a foundation to achieve that end game? So. Um, if this is so, if, if career is the thing you want, 
to really define this year or you know uh improve this year yeah let's say define that's the the theme here um you have to sort of look at what are all the things that get in the way of that what are the what what drains that and then how do i let go of the need for those things i think it's uh, it's very common for people to sort of especially um people with lots of interests to sort of wish they had more time to really pursue something, but uh, it just, there's not eight days in a week. And I think the emperor suggests uh, discipline will be very useful. And the second sort of phase of that is what I mentioned, being understood. Uh, So emperors get allies when they are clear and when they have their boundaries in place and they are not um, waffling or wishy-washy. And so so Gemini, if you're listening, this, uh, the emperor, just, it's important for you to establish what it is you're trying to do and what you want with people more than it is important to initially just understand whatever, where everyone else is coming from. That curiosity is lovely, but um, it, it can leave one undefined a bit. So be the emperor this year. Any thoughts I see on Gemini emperors, twin emperors? Um, well, I think that what you were saying there right at the end that really resonates for me um, in terms of what this has to, to say, that... Gemini can get very caught up in its ooh shiny thing, ooh shiny thing, ooh shiny thing, yeah, curiosity, sure. and you know they they have a little trouble staying focused on things or f- perhaps following through on things. And the Emperor is really about taking ownership and responsibility. So first of all, Gemini has to learn I can't keep passing the buck <laughs> for things mm-hmm. that don't go well or that I don't like in my life as if it's something else's fault. And two, I think that it's sitting and knowing themselves rather than being so defined by everyone or, and everything around them. And I think that's and part of the Gemini's challenge. They, they tend to have that personality disorder. They, they don't quite know who they are. They have kind of an identity mm-hmm. <laughs> problem. Yes. And the emperor certainly does not. And so it's really challenging Gemini to almost go ag- do something that's kind of opposite to what its basic nature would be, which is sit with yourself and know who you are and come from a place mm-hmm. of this is what I know to be right for me. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it, rather than being overly influenced by uh, external forces. So to give them a, a bit of a break, I would say, like, instead of uh, flitting about and exploring everything, how about fully exploring this thing, but every aspect of it? So, <laughs> you know, like, if yeah. you want to, like, if, if you, I mean, you know, if you can't, sort of like, how do we give, like, astrological, like, um, is it Ritalin? Um, to people, uh, what, what are the other drugs for that? But just, um, you know, if, if you choose that aspect of yourself, then you kind of free yourself up to fully explore it in a very Gemini way, everything about it. So that's what I'll say. That I'll end there with Gemini. Okay. Well, that takes us astrologically, January, February, March, and the first three signs of Aries, Taurus, and Gemini. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, 
We're going to hear the astrological weather pattern for April, May, and June. And then we are going to look at the next three signs, which are Cancer, Leo, and Virgo. So stay tuned for that. Now excuse me if I sound rude, but I love the way that you move. And I see me all over you now. Baby, when I look in your eyes, there's no way that I can disguise all these crazy thoughts in my mind now. Divination with a Queer Twist with hosts Hi C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L I V E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. Enjoy the show. Uh, sadness, 
and political unrest. So um, beware the Ides of March. Uh, I know, but it it, it, it kind of moves a little later this year. Beware the beginning of April. Um, and there, it, it it is a time when just people may not be at their best. People around you may not be at their best. This is a time. Sorry. Well, I, I was just going to say that basically what that period is, is it's the mm-hmm. aftermath of the Pluto-Uranus mm-hmm. square. Because it's mm-hmm. them starting to out of their square. But it's kind of like the the storm comes through, the houses are down, and now you're allowed to go back and you start to survey the damage and figure out how you're going to deal with it and rebuild. So yeah, just wanted and to toss not, that in. Yeah. It's, it's not a... Uh, turn on a dime transition out of that. It looks like um, people are going to be cranky. Um, and we can expect some, some some more fallout from that period of time. Now, there is some good news. So, um, from April 20th to April 26th, there is a grand earth trine. And that sounds exciting, doesn't it? Uh, a grand trine takes place when three of the planets are in the same element. And uh, that's a significant thing. So um, a grand earth trine is real, And it happens around Arbor Day, which I find very exciting. Uh, grand earth trine, it's going to be a wonderful time to get connected to what is real, to the planet, to hug a tree to um, get in touch with the body, what the body is doing uh, for healing. Uh, And also, if we take it a bit higher for ecological um, changes, for for changes in ecological thinking. So you have a little window there. That's April 20th and 26th. So that's the time to walk barefoot and eat granola and um, plant a tree and uh, and make use of that. And would also be a really strong period of time for Earth signs. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So they get Taurus, like, the little boost. Yeah, Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn especially may find that that's a particularly strong um, period of time year for them. Mm-hmm. So if you have any um, goals and you, that you need to give yourself a deadline for, I would say, be thriving April 20th to 26th. You know, don't plan ahead. Um, now, there's another Mercury retrograde. I have a hard time believing Mercury is ever direct, personally, in my in my own life. But um, this Mercury retrograde is interesting. It takes place from May 19th to June 11th. And what's said about this Mercury retrograde is that it could be... Um, Often people just associate Mercury retrograde with, you know, forgetting things, miscorrespondence, don't travel, don't buy a car... Don't buy a computer, these sorts of things. But this one, it actually could be a shake-up in the way people think. Um, so if we're looking at the, the if we're looking at the, sort of the, the, the larger story, you have your, your turmoil, you have your sort of healing period from the turmoil, and it's interesting that that healing period, you mentioned um, Taurus, that Four of Swords reversed. And then, uh, so you get your steadiness, your steadying activity with that, that boost, of, sorry, with that Grand Earth Trine, and then May 11th, that's sort of like rethinking things and um it's going mercury retrograde here is if people are, are going to be open to new new thought new types of thinking so i think that would be um a wonderful time to try again you know if there's any relationships that have been really challenging 
which is weird to, to say, like, you know, reassert a relationship during a Mercury retrograde. But hear me out. <laughs> this might be the time to try it. This might be, uh, you know, they say the definition of a crazy person is the same. A person does the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So this might be the time to get crazy between uh, May 19th and June 11th. So it's it's a big transitional time. And um, that, 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 that sort of begins badly or begins with, with with sort of conflict and turmoil and ends with possibility for manifestation and new thought. So um that's that that that's the spring for you. And uh let us know how I see what cancers should be thinking about during this year. Okay. <laughs> so the card for cancer for the year is the Hierophant reversed. And Hierophant just means high priest. And, you know, Cancer loves its home and hearth, loves its family and family traditions. And the reversed Hierophant card says this is probably a year where you're going to recognize that either the old ways of doing things, the old traditions, the tried and the true may not hold the same kind of resonance, power, meaning for you. And instead of being upset by that, what this is encouraging you to do is start some new traditions. Find a way to do it for yourself that feels right and that resonates for you rather than trying to follow in the footsteps of someone else or some other type of institution or organization that has said this is the way you do things this is the year where you recognize that maybe it's okay to do things in your own way rather than to simply follow in the way that somebody else has already laid down this is probably a year to break some rules um it's a year you know i will say the hierophant card tends to represent big institutions like government and big companies and that kind of thing the reversal of it can put more of an emphasis on things that are new, um, that like startup companies, small companies, small businesses, um, those kind of small institutions. So if you're going to work for someplace, those are the kind of things to consider. If you're going to get involved with someplace, like say, let's say you're going to volunteer or become an activist for something, the reversal of this would probably say either do something that's more local and community-based, or do something that is relatively new, like a grassroots effort, rather than some well-established organization or, or movement of some sort. Um, and reversing the Hierophant card can also say that this may be a year where you start to realize that you don't have to look outside yourself for the answers that you seek that you possess more knowledge and wisdom than you give yourself credit for, that you you hold divinity within yourself rather than needing to look outside of yourself for that connection or that um, intermediary to the divine. And that can be both exciting and challenging for some people, depending on what kind of tradition you're in or you come from. But this is a year where if you can really 
embrace that and and recognize that and start to operate from that place, you'll find that instead of moving away from something you thought you had a connection to, you might find that you actually start to deepen your connection and relationship to the divine, to whatever your spiritual aspect is. But it's because you're not looking outward for someone else to tell you what something means or how to do something or how to interpret something. But instead, you're understanding that you have your own sense and understanding of those things and you can work with that rather than needing to work with it in the way that someone else prescribes. So that's yeah, what I like would that, put forth. Uh, in the time of chaos, it's interesting, the uh, non-traditional thinking appears, right? Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, like, um, How else could you do these things? Which it, it kind of carries over into one of my favorite signs to deal with. <laughs> which is Leo with the seven of cups for Leo, which kind of continues that theme of um, uh, sort of thinking outside of the box and, and thinking um, limitlessly. Now, where where I was being harsh with our poor Gemini earlier with the emperor, uh, the seven of cups is sort of the opposite of the emperor. And, um, the Seven of Cups sort of asks you how much disarray, disorganization, and chaos is in your life, and how much would you like to have? It can. It's one of those cards that can. I think readers kind of read it on a spectrum, depending on what, what's around it. Like if it, 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 it sometimes means, oh Lord, you know, pick a, you know, make a choice, <laughs> or sometimes it, you know, it's like, you know, if you've got the the person who like goes out with a ruler and cuts their lawn to be exactly, you know, one and three quarter inches, like. You know what else could happen to you, sir? Maybe, uh, maybe plant some begonias. So the Seven of Cups for Leo suggests um, to think a bit limitlessly, to serve all the parts of yourself. Where, where I was telling Gemini to focus, I'm telling uh, Leo to um, do what Leos do best and recognize your own magnificence a bit and see yourself as potentially uh, exploding into new places, into new uh, territory. Um, The Seven of Cups, when it's it's about um, picking one thing, it it does acknowledge that there are many many choices, many paths uh, sort of from where you are at there are, there are many roads for you to walk down and it really does suggest that you have the opportunity to traverse any of them uh you can be a bit of a generalist with the 7 of cups so um with sort of kind of pairing that with the astrology i in looking at that i i do think that leo has some license this year to expand and to um, not get tied down and to um, allow themselves to be successful in other areas of their life, to to rethink, you know, what it is they're tied down to. The, the Seven of Cups, it, it really is one you can go either way with. And I'm just looking at that, so looking at the astrology of what's going on around that time um, for 
uh, later in the year, I do see that as sort of that the 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 possibility of of expense and um, tasting from the many the many cups of the seven of cups and uh, not not really coming in for a landing. So I, I would say to a Leo, probably this is not the year when you will finish that great project you've been trying to do for a long time. If, if you have sort of a, 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 if you're in a cycle where you're trying to kind of culminate in something, you know, um, this isn't looking like it's shaping up to be the year for that. Uh, that really never feels like a seven of cups. To me, it's it's there's there's more formlessness. There's more uh, choices to be made, and make those choices. Don't be uh don't be paralyzed by the choices. You know, allow yourself, you know, to choose various things to experience. So that's this my sort of making a making a stake in of it. Uh, Seven of Cups for Leo. Okay. But I think what do you seven, think seven of cups, those Leos? <laughs> seven of Cups should certainly appeal to a Leo because a Leo loves to just go after things. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> they can they get to have they get to find the spotlight in many places rather than just one this year. Yeah. That'll more people thrill them to know your goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um so from there we're going to go to Virgo. And the card for Virgo is the reversed justice card. So here, one thing that we may see is um, pursuing things or trying to um, resolve things through the legal system or through legal means may not be very effective or beneficial. And instead, you might want to, for example, try things like arbitration or mediation rather than legal approaches. Um, it can perhaps say that there will be some sort of injustice or unfairness in the year. So you may need to simply be prepared for that situations where you feel like the fairest thing would be for you to receive something or whatever may end up going to somebody else. So here, like, for example, what you could see is you could see favoritism over merit. And one, you may need to be prepared for that. Um, Two, maybe the situation that'll be in your favor, maybe where you haven't actually earned it or it's not really fair or right for you to get something, you end up getting it simply because you were friends with somebody or, you know, whatever. So, but what you'd want to think about though, is especially in your own life and the way you look at and approach situations where you need to be making that kind of decision. Sometimes the justice card actually, when it reverses says, decide from your heart rather than from your head. You don't have to play impartial and objective judge all of the time. You can actually do what is right or what is most compassionate or what is most humane rather than what is strictly by the book. And that would actually serve you much better in this year. Now, that could also say that you may find yourself on the receiving end of a situation where someone 
does the compassionate or humane thing rather than follows the rule book. And sometimes that can be a good thing. So not only can we be the, the, the benefit, beneficiary of that, it also says that the way you want to kind of look at and approach life and some uh, particularly major situations during the year is don't lose connection from your heart and from your compassion. Don't get so caught up in the, the rules or the black and whiteness of it, which I realize <laughs> could be kind of ironic considering what's going on in our country right now in the way I said that. But, <laughs> <Zing>. <laughs> yeah. um, but don't don't get so caught up in right and wrong that we lose sight of the fact that sometimes the gray area actually can be best. The middle path can actually offer us the best solution rather than one side or the other. Um, you know, the the justice card for me is often associated with Ma'at, which is the goddess of cosmic order in Egypt. And the heart was weighed against the feather. And when this card is reversed, sometimes it says that our heart will feel heavy during the year. And what that can mean is you're probably going to find yourself particularly affected by things that you feel are an injustice, that are not fair, that are not right. And instead of just sitting idly by and complaining or crying into a tissue about that, think about how you can go and be a part of the solution, how you can go and be a part of dealing with righting the wrong, with bringing justice where there is injustice. The reversal of this card kind of says, this is a year to be more of a on the ground person rather than the it's it's like instead of being the judge who's sitting in the the bench in the courtroom it's the person who's out there on the street that's that's part of the process of of making something right so think about where and how you may be able to do that in in one or more ways in your life in your situations and whether it's a political situation a social situation a, a work situation whatever it is but think about being a, a boots-on-the-ground participant in the process rather than someone who simply sits on high and issues an edict and then it's up to other people to go and to enforce that law or that decision. So there you are. Interesting. The, the justice reversed is always sort of a, it's a toughie. <laughs> That uh, that that's when when you, when you see it, you're like, I just, I mean, is this, how is this gonna shake down, you know? But I I I do I, I agree with what you said about um, it's possible to get really caught up in what is right and wrong, and if you do that, you tend to see everything is wrong, so, you know, the world worldview as 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 if nothing's right, and and you go out to set to change that, and that can be very, it can be draining, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I, I like your your you know, for me Ma'ad is also what is true. Um, since you since you brought that up, so it's like the the quest for truth more than sort of rightness. Like like, what do I think about this? Is what I think true? If not, why not? Right. <laughs> so something to Cause sometimes doing sometimes doing the moral thing is not necessarily doing what the rules say or what the law says. And Virgos like things to be tidy, right? Can we agree? Like they they. <laughs> If you ever have well, like, some problems, 
you know, that would be <laughs> they're the one to bring in for that that sort of. Well, yeah, they, they can like, be a bit OCD. They can be a bit perfectionist. And reversing the justice card kind of says justice is messy. And that's yeah. going to challenge a Virgo in the sense of that you're not going to be able to tie things up in a tidy little bow. It's not going to be a easy, quick, or simple solution. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that gray area. It's like you're going to have to allow for the fact that, yes, you just clean. However, there is still going to be dust on things. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's never going to be so perfect. And if we can let go of the need for the perfection, then we can actually find solutions. And a place where that's really hard is when you see inequities in a relationship. Because I think, or inequalities in, in relationship, and, and I don't just mean romantic relationships, but I think a Virgo would like to, like, really reorient that and work hard at that and to see justice reversed, you know, sometimes things are out of balance. And then what would that, you know, perfect balance is something to to strive for, but not, you know, um, be uh, set well, off perfect, by. But perfect balance isn't necessarily the right approach mm-hmm. or the, the right thing to strive for. Yes. So... Uh, good luck, Virgos. I wish you all the best <laughs> in that pursuit. So, that means again? that we are going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to first hear our astrological weather pattern for July, August, and September. And then we will be looking at... Uh, what are we going to look at? Um, Libra? Scorpio and Sagittarius. I have some things to say to the Libras. Oh, excellent. Well, then we'll we'll look forward (laughs) to hearing that. So we will be right back.
At Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us. Host a show or be a guest or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable change makers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, helping you find and shine your inner light. And we're back and we're continuing our annual trek through the signs, looking at what's coming up in the year ahead, 2015, for each of you. And we have moved through the first half of the year as well as the first half of the signs. And now we are going to first take a look at the third quarter of the year, the astrological weather pattern for that time period, July, August, and September. Now, we have some really, really good news, I guess you could say, something that you'll probably be happy to hear after hearing some of those other things from the early part of the year. <laughs> Please, uh, universe. Yes. So, the beginning of July finds Venus conjunct Jupiter in Leo. And this is a particularly magical time, especially when it comes to uh, love, to relationships, to connection with other people on a really deep and meaningful level. Um, There's also on July 2nd, a full moon in Capricorn, and the Venus conjunct Jupiter aspect lasts from July 1st through July 3rd. So that first few days of July is extremely strong and extremely beneficial for anything relationship-oriented. It would be a great time to have a wedding. Uh, It would be a a great time to uh, be out trying to connect with people if you're not in a relationship but looking for one. It's a great time for um, having more meaningful conversations, having finding that deeper connection with other people because what you'll find is that's really going to um, tap into a, a, a well that's going to continue to nourish and to feed that relationship over the long term. So July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd especially is an extremely good time. And if you are going to be Uh, starting new relationships, having a wedding, making a proposal of some sort, you'd want to do it before July 25th because July 25th, Venus will go retrograde. And when Venus is retrograde, that can be a period that is not particularly beneficial or strong um, or good for uh, relationships, especially things like weddings and, and proposals and that kind of thing. So, July 25th, Venus goes retrograde, and then August 6th, um, there's uh, it, it's Venus retrograde is conjunct to Jupiter again. So that's going to be a particularly good time to. So if you think of retrogrades as um, either going inward or going backward, 
then this Venus uh, retrograde conjunct Jupiter around August 6th, that particular time period, I mean, it'll start July 25th, but it kind of is a, a key period right there, is it at July, at, uh, sorry, at August 6th, um, it's a really good time for revisiting old relationships, rekindling an old flame. Um, so pay attention to relationships that might come back into your uh, life at that time. Pay attention to old relationships that you perhaps think about during that time. If you have been struggling in a relationship and there has been a separation, that would be a really good time to come back together and say, can this be reconciled? Can this be fixed? So, you know, that'll kick off July 25th with Venus Retrograde, a really key time to do that. Like if you wanted a particular day to sit down with the person and say, you know, can we make this work? Um, August 6th would be a really good time for that. So really what we can see there is late July and the, the first part of August is really going to be about revisiting relationships, reestablishing relationships, perhaps reengaging in relationships in some way. Um, August 8th brings something that's called a cradle. And uh, without going into all the astrological detail of that, um, one thing that you would want to look at in your chart is where the cradle falls. You'd have to do that with, I mean, you can do it like at astro.com. You can do a free chart. But, um, you know, where the cradle falls in your chart can often tell you where you are clinging on to something for dear life. It's like, oh, you know, I have to have this to be happy. I can't be successful without this. This is what defines me. It's like I hold on to this so tightly. That can be a good thing if what you're holding on to is something that really grounds you and kind of gives you that sense of purpose and gives you that foundation that you operate from. But it can also not be so good uh, if you are holding on to it because you're afraid of change because you're used to having it and you can't imagine what it would be like without it. You think that you're going to be unhappy, unsuccessful, whatever, if it's not there. So it's really important if you're if you're gripping onto it so tightly that your fingernails are drawing blood from your palm, then it's probably not a good thing. But if you're gripping onto it just enough to hold yourself steady, then it's probably something that's really good for you to have in your life. Um, if you were looking at your chart, you can look like if, if the cradle tends to fall on the right side of your chart, then it would say that you're clinging to relationships. If it falls in the upper part of the chart, then it would tend to indicate that you cling to career. And when we say cling, it's really that idea of this is what I'm defined by. This is what I have to have in order to understand both who I am and for the world to know me. Um, and we can get used to that, but that may not always be best, or we may have evolved and changed, and now we're stuck with an old definition or holding on to something old that isn't really relevant or right for us anymore. Um, and, you know, the, the planets that are involved in this cradle are, uh, well, there's Ceres, there's Saturn, there's Lilith, there's Mars, and then there's Capricorn, Scorpio, Virgo, and Cancer. But all of these really kind of bring out a theme of, practical magic of working with herbs and crystals of things like sacred sex so it, and it's that idea of holding on to something that takes me deeper because it really gives me that that rootedness that that anchor to to being in the world and my place in the world um, so that would also indicate that that's a really good time for doing 
some practical magic for perhaps doing some sex magic or engaging in things that are helping to manifest and bring about things on a practical level in some way. Um, so don't be afraid of that side of things uh, and, and know that that's a really good time to be doing that. Um, and that's around August 8th. And then August 12th through August 26th, that one of those trines, um, the Lilith series Saturn trine that makes up part of that cradle, um, is a really, uh, really strong time and powerful time to manifest your intentions and to to create intentions with your mind and with alchemy with magic to to bring the ingredients together to start to stir the pot in order to bring about and transform something into something else it's a great time for experimentation it's a great time for bringing forth your heart's desires uh it's a really uh strong time for focusing on healing for others if you do that kind of work that's a particularly strong time where you may see some surprising results from the work that you do in that regard. Um, it's August 12th through August 26th is, is like a, a gateway. It's a really, really powerfully infused gateway that we can use to manifest, to heal, to bring things forth. And especially if we're willing to experiment in some way don't don't just rely on what you already know but experiment with something and throw something new into the mix try a new technique do something in a new way that experimentation is probably going to pay off sometimes it may not pay off in ways that you expected but it may be a pleasant surprise or an unexpected benefit or result that actually is even better than what you had thought it was going to be so again august 12th through august 26th a really, really strong time for that. Uh, and then moving into September, we have a, a solar eclipse in Virgo on September 13th. And that's also another really good time for doing some practical magic. Uh, and then we go to September 17th, and September 17th through October 9th is another Mercury retrograde, this time in Libra. And it will be um, particularly beneficial for the cardinal signs, especially Libra and Aries. Um, and that particular Mercury retrograde from September 17th through October 9th is a really good time to review what's gone on over the past couple of years, because that's when you'll probably be able to start looking back at it and putting some pieces together, connecting some dots, and starting to have a bigger picture and understanding why and what this was leading to and what this was all about. Probably it was hard to see that while we were in the middle of it and and in the midst of everything happening over the past couple of years. Um, but now we have a chance to catch our breath, and this is really a good time. This September 17th to October 9th period is a really good time to be thinking back, reviewing, and kind of saying, okay, how do those pieces fit together? What does that look like? Where is it? taking me? What is it bringing about so that I can start to move forward with that bigger picture understanding? And then September 28th, we have a um, lunar eclipse in Aries. And that can actually be a bit of a, well, it's just, uh, it is quite the time. 
So end of September, you might just want to plan to play things carefully, be on your guard, don't put yourself in harm's way, and don't necessarily take any unnecessary risks during that time. Because an eclipse in Aries and some other things that are going on, it's a people are going to be reckless, people are going to be headstrong, um, there's going to be a tendency for tempers to flare very easily and perhaps even violently. Um, you're going to find that conflicts and fights seem to erupt almost without <laughs> any reason or provocation. It's like all of a sudden I, I said hello and all of a sudden we were in a fight. You know, what is going on? Um, so it, it will be a, a rather turbulent period of time. Um, it's it's also a time, if we, from a personal standpoint, it's it's a time to uh, look at our shadows, to do some shadow work, to um, uh, pay attention to those areas and those things that we normally don't want to have to work on or deal with, because that's really where a lot of that um, headstrong or ego aspect is going to come from. That's where that the temper, the violence, the the tendency towards wanting to fight is going to come from. Um, it's it's going to be a particularly strong time for projection, where people are projecting their stuff onto other people and other things and then lashing out at it. And on the flip side of that, what we want to do is recognize where we're doing that and then be willing to go into and look at and work on those areas that that we're, from, from where we tend to do that so that we aren't contributing to or exacerbating the problem. We're actually using it as a catalyst to do our own work so that we can better ourselves to then better the world around us. Um, And also, end of September, especially during that eclipse, um, what you think is true may end up being very opposite. So I would really take things with a grain of salt. You know, just don't don't take somebody's word for something. Don't believe something at at first glance. Uh, Don't assume you know what the truth is. Um, don't allow somebody else to convince you what is true because it may end up being very opposite from what the truth was thought to be or presented to be. So especially end of September, be very cautious, very aware of that. Uh, and and the, the less you subscribe to something that you think is true, <laughs> the less consequence you're going to have to suffer or deal with as a result of having thought that it was true. So there is your astrological weather pattern for July, August, <laughs> and September. <laughs> a whole lot going on. <laughs> there is. Most, mostly it's, it, you know, it, it's actually a pretty strong, uh, enjoyable period. It's just mm-hmm. as we get to the end of September with that eclipse kicking in that it really starts to be just a problematic moment more so than anything. You know, if we think of an eclipse, mm-hmm. you know, it happens, but it's it's like a, a day thing. It's not a a year thing or a multi month yeah. thing or whatever. So <laughs> it's, it's just this, over. There was an eclipse. Just this, that's right. It's just this little period within what really starts to be a much more positive <laughs> weather system um, yeah. that we're starting to experience. That really kicks off well with that beginning of July period with the Venus conjunct Jupiter aspect. So, there you are with that. And now we will move into, apparently, something very, I don't know, we're we're sitting on the edge of our seats unsure of exactly what to expect with Libra having been warned. 
Now, <laughs> Libra, sort of the stereotype of Libra often is that they're indecisive. And it's not that they're indecisive because they have no opinion. It's the stereotype, if we're being unfair, if we're, you know, just making grand assumptions. Uh, Libras tend to be uh, indecisive because they have a lot of opinions. And they can really argue the case for all sides of anything. And it's kind of um, maybe too much love for debate is a thing. And for Libra this year, I got the Eight of Swords, which is a challenging card, to say the least. The Eights are... um, Sort of often eights ask you. So now what? Now what will you do with this? <laughs> now what? And eight of swords, um, kind of asks. Now how the hell are you going to get yourself out of this, this mess? <laughs> so, um, and looking at the rest of the signs, I was trying to find an ally for, for Libra. But then I was reminded. So my my key phrase for the eight of swords is, no one is coming to save you. There is no one else whose agenda, you know, you are on at this time. And you have to get yourself out of this mess. Whether or not you got yourself into it, probably that's the case. Uh, Eight of Swords, it's just you have to move. You have to move now. You have to rise up out of the situation. It is no longer time for debate. It is no longer time to weigh, you know, the scales is a sign of Libra, right? And so it's sort of like the weighing out the possibilities. And, you know, there is great benefit in having the sort of the thorough examination of life that the Libra tends to um, enjoy. But the Eight of Swords just suggests, like, this is this, is, this time... Uh, you're on a schedule. You're on, you're on, you're you're the the sands are 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 slipping away in the in the great hourglass here, and it is not okay to be obstinate at this time. Uh, it is not okay to indulge in sort of like, well, what if it's now is not a good time? Like uh, maybe if you've caught yourself saying like, I really want to accomplish this, but just, it's just right, you know, not a good time, not a good time. It's been a bad month. It's been a bad couple of months. It's been a bad year. Um, what you're not seeing possibly is that it's the problem isn't the month it's not everything around you it's this is this is the universe you live in and you have to operate in it at this time so for you know libra eight of eight of swords that suggests carefully removing yourself from the situation now um the eight of swords is a consider it's not a all-out retreat it's not moving backwards it's not um accepting um, accepting unhappiness, sort of you're you're you're. It's the opposite. You're not you're no longer going to accept what is what what you're unhappy with, and it's about moving from that and um, taking small steps, but taking the steps. You know, it's not it's it's you know a little bit at a time, like severing ties with. You know, emotional time sucks. Um, uh, no longer pursuing things that harm us. Sometimes the eights in tarot sometimes make you look at like what are the the dire consequences of the path that you're on. You know, in the eight of cups, it's it's about turning away from it because it doesn't serve you anymore. It's not really your thing. And the eight of swords, it there are things in your life that are harming you, are harmful to you, and. Um, 
it seems like it's being very being very direct or, or personal. Uh, but I just think that Libras or people or wherever Libra is in your chart, you might be feeling um, sort of a sense of out of balance that something is wrong and something needs to be attended to. So wherever Libra is in your chart, um, this is going to be something that needs to be resolved by you. Again, my keyword. That I, I often, when I'm reading for someone, I often say, no one is coming to save you. A lot of the other signs are really involved in their own process, involved in, in making sense of chaos, making sense of what it is they want. <laughs> so, dear Libra, um, there just isn't anyone at this time. There is you, and there's your ability to move it. So, the good news is that this is not the Ten of Swords. This is not, you know, this is not kaput. But it is it, just, it is saying that there are toxic elements in your life that need to be attended to. So, am I being too harsh, Heisey, with those poor Libras? No. Uh, one thing I would say is that that eclipse at the end of September is in Libra, and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, well, I guess what I should say is it's uh, it's um, uh, the Mercury retrograde. That is from September 17th, October 9th is in it's in Libra, and then that uh, the eclipse actually is in Aries, but it falls within that. It's right in that Libra time period, and I would say that based on what you're saying, they're going to be particularly prone to projecting mm-hmm. and lashing out and making everything the fault of everyone and everything else around them. Mm-hmm. rather than being willing to look at their own participation in that process. And the, when you were talking about not having any allies, while we may not see necessarily allies with the other signs because of the Eight of Swords, what I would say is we, if, if uh, Libra wanted a, a role model to look up to, then I would probably look to Gemini with the Emperor. I would probably look to... Uh, Capricorn, which I know we haven't talked about yet, um, uh, and I would also probably look to Scorpio, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. Um, so, to me, it was like thinking about they could look to those people as role models of how to live life, how to take responsibility and ownership of something, how to be the architect of their own life. But it doesn't mean that they ally with him. They still have to do it themselves. It's not like they just go and find that person and say, "Oh, how can you help me do this? Can you do this?" Yeah, for yeah. Me? They're not <laughs> it's just let me look to them and see how. Yeah, it's it's let me look to see how they live their life or how they've done it because that can hopefully inspire me to be able to see that I can do this for myself. Yeah. So, yeah. speaking of Scorpio, the next sign we have the reversed Devil card. And Scorpio and the devil, man, that's a thing. I know. Every time we do uh, one of these, that's what happens. <laughs> well, you know, the reversal would say that it's going to challenge them to perhaps push past that nature. Um, one thing it says for the upcoming year is it's time to recognize the most unhealthy situations or relationships that you're in. And it is time to liberate and free yourself from them. You can stop being bound to them. You you need to stop giving yourself over to them. Uh, the devil card can often be about vices and addictions. 
And the reversal of it says it's a year where we're going to be faced with the reality of our vices and addictions, how they are unhealthily impacting and affecting our life. And it is now time for an intervention. Whether we stage an intervention for ourselves or other people recognize things have gotten to the point where they need to step in and intervene and try to help in some way. Um, And what this card is encouraging you to do is be receptive to that intervention, to that help, be willing to, to, to do that rather than to fight it or try to continue to convince yourself and others that you don't really have a problem. (laughs) Um, and whether that means you are an alcoholic or whether that means you are in an abusive relationship, either you need to face that's the situation and free yourself from it, or you may find that there are people stepping in saying, I'm taking you away from this, and you need to be willing to allow that to happen rather than to fight it. The the reverse devil card is actually a really great card because the reversal is kind of a sense of empowerment. So, there's a sense that this will be a year when you start to feel as if the things that you have been restricted by and constricted by, that you have felt had power over you, no longer do, that you can finally take back the power and you can be the one who is directing your life in some way. Um, It's also, the reversal of this card says it's a year to break the conditioning. It's a year to break the habits to no longer say that we act this way because that's how we've always been or I'm this way because that's how, because of what happened to me when I was little. Stop trying to fit in. Stop worrying about judgment by others and be willing to step out into the world as yourself. You don't have to fit in this year. You can be yourself And even if that makes you different, it doesn't mean that you will be ostracized and rejected. It simply means that people will see you for who you are and recognize what you have to offer rather than simply seeing you as another one of the sheep and you just kind of blend into the background. So you have to be an active participant in making that happen. But it also says that if you do, you will see some very positive and exciting benefits as a result of doing that. So there you are, Scorpio. There we go. (laughs) Good luck, Scorpio. Yeah, um, Scorpios tend to have a mistrust thing going on, a, 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 a distrust, and so I can see that intervention being... Well, let us call um, it what it is. It's not distrust. Scorpios tend to be paranoid. Paranoid. Well, they, <laughs> they, 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 they know that they know the truth. They know what is right. They have more information than anybody else. And everybody else is just trying to one-up them. <laughs> yeah, and maybe they need to take the help that is given, which exactly. brings us to Sagittarius. Now, when I was looking at the sign, we talked about this earlier, looking for allies <laughs> among the stars, and there seems to be a lot of self-involvement and changing of course is going on in a lot of the star sign and I, I have good news and that, that your friend this year may, might be a Sagittarian Sagittarius uh, I got the Queen of Cups and um, I will say that so Sagittarius if we're talking about stereotypes again they kind of they're adventurous they like to explore things they like to 
be limitless. And they love to, um, what's that fire nature? We talked about it earlier with Leo. Um, and so, Sagittarius, you have an opportunity this year to love without limits. One of the things for the Queen of Cups is sort of that um, listening and openness to others, open to like seeing other people's need, hurts, pains. They were just uh, the best listener for me. In the uh, in the tarot is the Queen of Cups because uh, when we move to the King, he kind of tends to listen, but he's taking notes and he's making judgments. The Queen of Cups is sort of open to what to open to your process, and she is able to live with flow, um, live live you know in in the sort of the different currents of things. If I if I get a little wacky with my my water metaphors here, so Sagittarius. Um, I uh, my recommendation to you is that this year is actually going to be about loving boundlessly, loving um, sort of taking that sort of that desire to to find the edge of things, like to love to greater depths and to be more open than you have ever been before with others. Wherever where a lot of the other times we've been, you know, asking talk, asking them to be cautious and self aware. Um, I think the external nature of the Sagittarius, that desire to like, you know, live through social media that they might have, um, could be of benefit in the next year because of that that Queen of Cups, sort of suggesting a time of um, just just giving your limitless fire to others and knowing that you won't run out. One thing I think that. Sagittarians are good at is sort of realizing that they sort of have a um, an unquenchable or un, unending well of energy uh, and sort of giving of that to others. Um, I wouldn't limit yourself on that in a in in 2015. So Queen of Cups, Sagittarius, uh, I think they they could be the universal ally in the in the coming year. Okay. Right on. So, we have one more quarter to go in the year. That's going to be October, November, December, and then we'll look at the last three signs of Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. And we will do all of that right after the break. And then, once we finish all of the signs, we will then go back and recap just to look at who may be best ally for who, and who also might be best to avoid for each sign. <laughs> so, so stay tuned and we will be right back.
And welcome back. We are three-fourths of the way through our trek through <laughs> signs and predictions for 2015. <laughs> and we're about we are coming for a landing. That's right. The and I think we're going to like what we hear for the way, com- compared to how the year started, with the March, <laughs> April, uh, yeah, January, you know, March, October, November, December, I think is going to be amazing as, a, as an ending compared to that. Yes. So... I think it really is going to feel like coming in for a landing astrologically. Um, so we had we started with all of the chaos and the fallout, and then sort of that amazing intense time of, uh, of you know what you manifesting and uh, you know possibility, and it's and it's going to be nice and light uh, in the uh, last few months of the year, especially after Halloween. There are no eclipses. There's no Mercury retrograde, there's no T-squares, there's, um, and sort of the big sort of overarching powerful outer planet experience, which was, we talked about at the beginning there, which is Uranus square Pluto, which is kind of, we can, we can look at, uh, for some of what was going on this year, will have finished. Now, what does that mean, you asked? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Um, uh, the source where, you know, I, I was reading, uh, from what talked about ascension, the idea of ascension, and um, if there if there is such a thing, remember a 2012. We were all talking about how 2012 was like the Mayan calendar and uh, the uh, the end of the Mayan calendar and the sort of like the end of, people thought the end of the world. Some people thought there were no more Mayans. Everyone kind of got you know like n- New Age people everywhere were talking about how it was gonna be like the Great Ascension. Um, the, the, the blog that I was looking at, it said if, there, if there is such a thing as ascension, that was sort of the, the, the beginning. And that um, that the outer planets suggest that that process will take from 2012 to 2027. Which, um, when you think astrologically and cosmically, some things seem like just overpoweringly long to take. I remember uh, in 2000, talking to astrologer Paul Bogle, who uh, is great, by the way. Um, and sort of talking about we were like you know the 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 economy the dot com bust had just happened it was two thousand one talking about the the, the dot com bust had just happened and the economy was in the tubes and September eleventh and all these things were happening and I remember asking him like well what's the uh, like when is this going to get better and he looked at me and said like well like between twenty twelve twenty fourteen we'll start to see it turn around and at the time you know that was thirteen years away and I'm like no Paul you're kidding like there's no way. Like that, that can't be right because you know, like that sort of need for human immediacy, like hum- instant gratification. I just thought, like, no, don't we think of a one bad year, two bad years. But it, looking back on that conversation, I was like, oh, Paul got it right. It took until that time for a lot of things to really start turning around. Twenty twelve. So, um, with that in mind, the outer planets at this time, at the at sort of coming in at the end of next year, are going to be in a very stable place that gives a clear runway um, for you, for your own personal ascension. And it's going to feel like, in November and December, like um, taming the wilds. So you've been through the wilds, you've been on your hero's journey, if you want to think of like the hero's journey um, experience. Uh at the end of the hero's journey on that little chart, all the all the crazy intense stuff happens at the bottom of that chart of that of the circle of that cycle, and then the returning activity is when the hero returns. That Dorothy going back to Kansas, 
That's, um, you know, Arthur establishing Camelot. That's Luke Skywalker reestablishing the Order of the Jedi. So uh, that is what the year is going to feel like. Like, we have done some powerful things, and there was a point after all. You know, this is where you really run with it. And um, this is going to be a time to really work hard at giving structure to your dreams. So in that, especially that in December, um, there, there's not a lot of things getting in your way. There aren't a lot of speed bumps astrologically during this time. So you don't have any more excuses. (laughs) I guess I'm saying, uh, so have at it, do what you need to do. And so um, that is, it's it's going to be a lovely end to, I, I, I think, we take the long view. If, 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 you know, I, I have a hard time de- describing a year as a bad year or a good year. I, it, I think that's a little too simplistic. A lot of good things happen, you know, in a year. A lot of bad things can happen. But it's going to, I think it's going to be, a, if I was to allow myself to do that, I would describe 2015 as a pretty rough year, um, a pretty turbulent year. Um and the twin the sort of that that last period um is a time when there's smoother sailing, and you can now choose to uh make better choices is the sort of the new age answer to it so there you have it, and I think that it you know. We could apply this to a year. I know it's often used just for a month, but I think we could use that saying that 2015 will come in like a lion and Mm -hmm. go out like a lamb. Yeah. So it'll be a sweet time. Yeah. So, And I think I would rather have that kind of progression Mm -hmm. than the other way around. Because if it came in easy and we started (laughs) to get comfortable and thought, oh, this is going to be great, and then all of a sudden here it comes... You know, I I kind of what much prefer the way felt like I think in well, many ways. Yes. I think yeah, and and well, I think it's just been very roller coastery, and we've gone through all the loop de loops and everything. Now, first part of 2015, we're just kind of doing that final little last dip and then a little curve thing around before we come into the station and get off the ride, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> finally by the end of the year, we feel like okay, now I am no longer nauseous or dizzy, and I feel like I've got my feet on the ground. And I can walk forward again. Mm-hmm. So, in our progression of the signs, that brings us now to Capricorn. Capricorn, I think, is perhaps in store for quite a an amazing year. Because the mm-hmm. card for Capricorn is the sun. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yes. Um, and... You know, on the one hand, the sun card says, this is your year to shine. So don't squander it. Take full advantage of it, but also know that you can reach full potential and and be extremely successful in this year. Um, you do put energy into things, just like the sun is energy. But uh, you can... And I just want to remind people that if you want to hear the whole show, because I know the live stream is going to cut off here shortly, if you want to hear the whole show, you can always listen to it in the archives here on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes. So you can really shine, but you have to be part of that energy 
process. You have to be part of the one generating that success. It's not just going to come to you. Although the Sun card indicates that's a year where you have great attractive ability. So if we think of like the law of attraction or something like that, think of like moths to a flame. This seems to be a year where whatever energy you put out is going to pull in what it is that is so right and in alignment with that energy that you will just be amazed at how things seem to just come to you and people just seem to show up because they want to be in your sphere. The thing to keep in mind, of course, is whatever kind of energy you're putting out, whatever those, think of the sun, whatever those rays of energy are that are radiating out from you, that's what's going to be attracted to you. So you need to be really clear and careful and intentional about the kind of energy you are projecting outward. That has to do with our attitude, with our perspective, um, with the, the the actions that we take, with all sorts of things. So really, just think of it how I'm presenting myself to the world, but in a sense, it's also just energetically how you're coming across to the world. Just like, you know, if somebody walks in, you can immediately say, well, that person looks like they're not in a good mood versus, wow, I just want to be around that person because they are just like happy and life of the party. Um being very aware of the energy that you are projecting outward is going to be very key to your success in the coming year and to what gets drawn into your world in the coming year. Um, There is a reminder to make sure that you balance the energy you put out and into things with also setting aside time for rest because you can burn out uh, if you don't stop once in a while to recharge and to refuel. Um, and, you know, the sun card t- is a card of joy. So this this coming year really holds the potential for feeling joyful and happy, um, for maybe helping you to find ways to reconnect with what makes you enjoy life and reconnect with the things that you're really passionate about that really fire you up and excite you and really just put yourself into it fully and completely. And when you do that, you're going to find not only success, but also this constantly regenerating sense of joy um, in what you're doing and in the life you're living and just in life in general. So, So really cultivate that and pay attention to that. You know, pursue the passions and and follow the joy. Um, I know it can sound a little cliche, that follow your joy, follow your bliss idea, but the sun card really kind of epitomizes that idea, and this would be a, a year to really do that, and you'll really find things seem to just happen or come about or expand as a result of that. So there you are, Capricorn, an amazing year to look forward to, I would say, with the sun. Mm-hmm. Right on. And I've got good news for Aquarians. Um, Aquarium, Aquariums. No, let's re-keep your fish. An Aquarius. (laughs) We'll call them Aquarius. Aquarius, um, they're the little scientists sometimes. They like to to know and and to, to uncover things and to sort of peer at them and better understand them and take them apart. And, um, uh, the wonderful news for, our Aquarius friends, is they got the the Page of Swords. And the Page of Swords is the eternal student. 
card. It's the looking at things as if for the first time card. And I think that for many of the signs, um, for many people, I'm going to put it that way, the page of getting the page of swords is kind of frustrating because you know the reader you're, you have maybe you're telling the person they need to take a step back and just learn maybe go to school uh, you know um, uh, begin from like an earlier stage from square one and that but I think for Aquarius that'd be lovely uh, to just sort of get to take it all in um, the page of swords. Um, suggest for the Aquarius that this is a time of the year to sort of open a new book and open the new chapter in their life to do some personal discovery but externalize that personal discovery by doing some external you know outer discovery just actual discovery uh in your life um so learning this is a time when it's about being the student again, being the um, and um, acting as if you don't already know. You know, a lot of the Page of Swords you'll see ever since you know the, the Rider Waite have that the, the clouds surrounding that little page, and um, it suggests that there's a lot for them to learn. They have uh, a lot to uncover. They don't know everything, and that can mean being a little suspicious. So. Um, you might, as an Aquarius, or wherever Aquarius happens to be in your chart, be having some frustration, like feeling like there's some, there's an answer out there, or like that you need some answers, that there's some, um, something that you're just not grokking, you're just not, it's just not clicking with you yet. And uh, Aquarius, this is your year to find that out, to uncover and, and get the answer that you're looking for. So this is not, you know, in some of the other signs we've been talking about, following your own bliss, you know, as you've mentioned, or uh, being true to yourself. But I think for Aquarius, this is a time for just really, like, uh, I would travel. I would try new cuisine. I would try, um, I would I would learn something. I would learn language. Uh, you know, uh, I would take myself out of my... I was an Aquarius. Thank God I'm not. Uh, I would take myself out of my comfort zone in 2015 and ex- uh, expose myself. I'll let that hang there for a second. Expose myself to new people, to new situations. This is a, a great time to uh, expand your your circle. Uh, you know, your your friends, your trust group, and. Um, looking at the list, I would expand it with some uh, some Capricorns and some Sagittarians, and you know it will be probably very helpful for you to hang out with a Cancer because you'll be of use to them. But um, uh, so I, I think that um, this is again one of the, the signs that probably isn't going to be big on manifesting or finishing or realizing those goals. This is a time about uh, looking for the new, starting over, starting new, so starting fresh. So it's going to be a fresh year, Aquarius. Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that you need to have an intervention while you're exposing yourself. There we go. Uh, <laughs> well, it's for everyone's benefit. It's so we can all learn more. Of course. You know? Of course it is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Hey, look beneath this trench coat. It's for your benefit and everybody else. That's right. Sees. Learn something new. <laughs> See something you've never seen before. <laughs> so that brings us to the last sign, which is Pisces. And the card for Pisces is the Hermit. Now, the Hermit could indicate that this is a year where you probably will operate better on your own and in your own way rather than in connection to other people in terms of collaboration. Um, It could be a really great year if you've been thinking about working for yourself or branching out on your own, uh, freelancing, something like that this would be a really good year to to do that. Um, it's a The Hermit card is also a year, it's a great year for taking a retreat. Boy, if you have a sabbatical at your workplace, this would be a great year for you to take that sabbatical with the Hermit card. Um, beyond that, it says it's a really good year to make sure that you are regularly setting aside time for alone time, that you are taking retreats and breaks and getting away from things, that you are escaping to your refuge on a regular basis. Um, Also, pay attention to the space that you inhabit at any given time and how you can make every space that you are in a refuge, sacred to you. What are you filling that space with? What is it decorated with? What is it furnished with? What is in the air? What is in the ambiance of that? Is everything about it contributing to what it is that supports and sustains you on a deeper level. Um, and that can include the music that you have in there. It can include the colors, the the objects, the whatever it is. Focus on creating refuge for yourself, at least one space where you can just get away from everything and do so on a regular basis. The Hermit card also says it's a year for doing a lot of introspective work. Um, so anything that takes you inward, anything that allows you to examine your own self is going to be really beneficial, whether you're doing that on your own or retreats or workshops or classes or something that help to facilitate that process. All of that would be really, really beneficial. And you'd probably find that you get more out of it or get more out of it quicker than you might otherwise by engaging in that during this year. Um, It's a year of communication in the sense of what message are you sending out to the world and is that what you want the world to hear or to know? And if not, then this is a year to tweak that message, to rewrite the message. Um, It's also a year to really pay attention to methods of communication um, if you've been thinking of writing, if you've been thinking of journaling, if you've been thinking about doing a, your own YouTube channel, whatever it is, however you want to get your message out to the world, this is a really good year to make that an emphasis and a focus. Um, and it's a year to focus on what is the next step? Where do you go from here? Don't worry about the end destination in the sense of how many steps there are to get there. Think about where you go from here and then simply focus on how far you can see at this moment and take that step and then see what that step opens up or illuminates for you and take the next step. Don't try to cheat it. Don't try to rush it. Don't try to skip steps. 
um, but also don't get paralyzed and stuck in place because you're so worried about the 10 steps ahead that you aren't taking any step at all. So those are the things I would say are the big themes for Pisces in the coming year. Now, Charlie, now that we have gone through all of the signs, let us look back and see who might be an ally, who might be beneficial for someone, and who perhaps might be better to avoid in the coming year. Sure. Let's start with that. Let's start with Aries. Yeah, Aries is a nine of cups, and it was about being opportunistic. So I think Aries... We'll go through. Uh, so, do you want to just go through each sign, or like, so Aries and Taurus? No, um, they're dealing with their own shit. <laughs> Aries and Gemini? Oh, I don't know. Should I? I would say yes. I don't want to cut you off. You concur mm-hmm. with that one? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, well, uh, Aries and yeah. Emperor. I think you might find them a little tedious, but I think you'd get a lot done with them. They might be great as a work buddy. As a to to be accomplished, you know, trying to accomplish something, yes. Romantically, no. Um, well, that's true. Can- yeah. yeah, cancer, yeah, yeah. Like okay, with the reverse tire fans and that sort of op- again the opportunistic of Aries, I think that um, you'd be more useful to them than they would be for you. And I think after being in that person's life and helping to like do whatever it was you were supposed to do in that life, you can leave. So, um, Seven of Cups, Leo, yes. Leo and Aries, you two fiery bastards are going to be just fine uh, together. I, I think there's just so much going on. You would be the sort of the Thelma and Louise <laughs> uh, energy, and you'd be unstoppable. Um, Virgo, I'm just going to go out on it. They're going to slow you down. So, no. <laughs> Stay away from the Virgos. Uh, well, if I if I had to make a little bit more sense of that, I think again, kind of like uh, Cancer. I think for Virgo, you're more help to them than they are to you. I think you've got a lot to do this year, Aries, and you can't be waiting on people's process. Libra, no, they're on their own. Let them be on their own. Don't take them with you. Leave them. <laughs> Get out. Uh, Scorpio, um, I think you'd have a lot of fun, but I think you'd set uh, Scorpio <laughs> back a few steps and. Back into recovery, so no. Uh, Queen of Cups, Sagittarius, yes. Um, I think they are going to give. Uh, I think fire signs like to. They need a lot of oxygen, right? And they need a lot of people interested in them. And I think you know Sagittarius uh, is going to give you again. Oh, the fire signs are doing well together this year. Um, they're going to give you that sort of <laughs> um, adoration that I think you might like. So uh, absolutely, um, Capricorn. Yeah, yes. Yes. I think they're going to be so themselves and you'll be so yourself that it'll be one of those like kind of power couple situations and really useful. Normally I wouldn't put an earth sign with a fire sign romantically, but I think you'd get a lot done. You kind you could probably be that couple, you know, that sort of like has everyone over. Sometimes it's auditioning um um supporting actors, shall we say. So, uh Aquarius, um yeah, I think, again, this would be a buddy situation. I think this is a buddy or a work partner kind of thing or a study partner thing. I think Aquarius is going to help you see things. I think this is one of the ones that would actually be more useful to you uh, than you are to them. 
um, which is rare this year for the Aries. And then Pisces, new. They want to do their own thing. They're kind of on their own wavelength. So I would say, like if I want to be even more general, fire signs, yes. Earth signs, I think you get a lot done. Water signs, avoid. Avoid. Air signs, it's kind okay. of good. <laughs> Um, yes. So for Taurus, I would say that, well, Geminis would probably be good for Taurus. Mm -hmm. uh, And maybe Cancer to some extent. But the, the strongest allies for Taurus this year would probably be Gemini. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, would be, uh, actually, I would say Virgo, because it's it's getting the head out of the sand and saying, hey, not everything is the way it always appears to be. Um, <laughs> and let's see. Um, everybody's avoiding Libra, of course. Yes. <laughs> Don't let that one drag you down. Um, Queen of Cups. Uh, no, I'm uh, Capricorn. Yes, Capricorn's going to be pretty strong for most people, I think, this year. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, and Aquarius would also be really good. So so for Taurus, I'm going to say that particularly strong allies would be Gemini. Um. Virgo and and what did I just say? Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Those those are the three I would focus on. Mm-hmm. Um and and Capricorn as well. Capricorn we're just gonna have Capricorn as a default for everyone. Sagittarius and Capricorn. <laughs> Except for Pisces. Good. <laughs> yeah. Although Capricorn could be a bit much for Sagittarius this year because Queen of Cups Sagittarius wants to just kind of <laughs> float through and Capricorn's like I'll go go go. Um, so let's see Gemini. What would you say there? Oh well, Gemini I think is going to they need the people who are going to give them limits, you know, and so I think they're very best. Uh, strangely Virgo I think who they're kind of trying to figure out limits themselves uh, would be good for uh, the Gemini and also um, Aquarius I think Aquarius is going to help them like see themselves see the reality possibly Pisces I don't think that um, I think Pisces and, and, and Gemini might be um, sort of frenemies I think I think Pisces will be good for you but frustrating if you're a Gemini um, and then I think you, what they want to avoid are Scorpios. They want to avoid Libra because, you know, 10-foot pole. And um, <laughs> I I think uh, Leo. Stay away from Leo. Leo is going to call up Gemini and be like, let's go do this crazy thing. You know, like, you know, and um, Gemini's like, you know, actually, really, I have some plans. And then, and you know, Leo would just like, no, it's gonna be amazing. You know, they'll do their Leo magnificence thing and their their sort of a uh, seven of cups thing. And I think that Gemini needs to stay away from Lib- uh, Leo <laughs> this year. So, 
that that's I think my Leo take would, on it. I think Leo would frustrate and exalt and exhaust a Gemini because yeah. Gemini may say yes initially to the first thing that Leo throws out there. Yeah, like let's go get mm-hmm. dinner. And Gemini's like, okay. But then they're going to go get dinner. And then Leo's like, so from here, why don't we go over to my friend's house and we can hang out there for a while. And then when that other club opens at midnight, we can go there. And then, and Gemini's just going to be like, uh, I just wanted to go one place and stay there. <laughs> so I think, I think that's where the frustration or exhaustion would come in <laughs> on Gemini's part with a Leo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Cancer, well, Cancer actually would be really good with Leo because Cancer needs to break out of tradition and things, and Leo is really good at seeing all sorts of options mm-hmm. <laughs> in this coming year. Um, I also think Cancer and Virgo would be really good um, because they're both kind of bucking the system and seeing things in a different way, upending the system, one might say. Mm-hmm. Um I said before, Cancer maybe with Gemini. I mean, maybe with Taurus would be okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the strongest thing, but mm-hmm. um, Cancer. Well, Cancer with Scorpio would be really interesting, <laughs> reversing the Hierophant and the Devil at the same time. <laughs> Might as well just overthrow everything and have anarchy and chaos, and let's just have that be the way of the world. <laughs> so if somebody's looking for just a balls to the wall, no rules kind of experience, then cancer should find a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Poor thing. Uh, um I don't think I don't think Sagittarius would be too good. I think Queen of Cups <laughs> wouldn't like all of the the waves <laughs> that are being generated from Cancer's modus operandi for the year. It might be good for cancer, though, rather more than <laughs> it is for Sagittarius. Well, it is true. I mean, can't, yeah, yeah Sagittarius may calm the... cancer down a little bit, but, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but I, I think cancer would be great with Capricorn because cancer is starting to really see how they can do things on their own way and recognizing their own vision, which means this is how I can shine in the world as myself rather than needing an intermediary to do so. Cancer would be great to help do that. Uh, and Aquarius would be good because they're starting to see things in a new way and want to bring in, usher in a new world order. <laughs> Cancer mm-hmm. does. Um, and Aquarius is really good at thinking outside the box and seeing new perspectives and being innovative and inventive in that way. And Pisces, I think, is a little too... I don't think Pisces would be very good for Cancer in this coming year. The one's trying to kind of break out of the rules, and Pisces is kind of wanting to just go off into their own little cave. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what was I going to tell you? Okay, yes. So Leo, Leo needs people who are going to be expansive and open-minded. So I think Leo, it talks about Leo and Aries, fire, fire. Like, yeah, there's a limitless there. I'd say no to Leo. Well, Leo to Taurus, I think that Leo would be useful to Taurus. Like Leo would be like, "All right, why don't why don't you come with me when I do this thing? <laughs> why don't why don't uh you know? Are, have you finished that yet? Where were you at? Where are you at on that? We'll do something different." I think um, 
Leo would be useful for Taurus. Uh, I, th- I think would Leo be- would be detri- I, I think Leo would be detrimental for Taurus. There we go. Because oh, really. Taurus is trying to take their head out of the sand and starts to look at reality and figure out what action do I need to take. And yeah. Leo would be presenting them with like seven different actions to take, which would be like, <laughs> okay, I'm just overwhelmed by the, the amount of choices, so I'm just going to go and bury my head again because I certainly can't decide if I'm going to be faced by that many things. Yes. Leo and Gemini knew uh, that they're looking for two different things. Uh, Gemini is trying yeah. to, to to bring it down. They're trying to get out. You know, it's a whole thing. Uh, Cancer and Leo, mm, I mean, I think it would be fun. I don't think they would get very far. <laughs> like, I think, uh, you know, I think this would be a good, this would be a great weekend, you know. That would be a great weekend fling. And then, you know, you then yeah, you I, I, think, I think if Cancer is trying to, to throw off the old traditions and, and find some new things to do or experience, mm-hmm. then Leo would be great. But I think Leo would not, be one of those things. Not for a long-term thing. <laughs> yeah, but I think, but Cancer would, I think I think for I think for cancer, um, Leo would be like, Wow, oh my god, maybe you're the thing I'm supposed to be following. <laughs> I was following this other thing and it didn't work, so now you. So um Leo's gonna break cancer's heart. Uh Virgo No. That's that's just a little hard. I think useful but no. Um Libra Okay, you know, if you've gotta like if you wanna be a good scout one day, um Leo, I think you you could do do uh, Libra some. Well, no, okay. Libra needs to figure it out for themselves. <laughs> so, well, but but I think that yeah. But I think Leo could be a good influence because yes. Leo would help them to see that there are other options out there. Yeah, they'd be that friend who who'd say like, well, I, um, some people always have an excuse for why they can't do the thing, and I think Leo would be great because like, no, why don't you do it this way? It'll be easy. Oh, right. Well, that's why. Yeah. yeah, that's why I think. Yeah, they would be, it would be a good influence in that way. But it would be um, it would be helpful. Uh, Port. I feel like I'm bagging on Libra. I think that um, we'll get there. Uh, Scorpio. I I think you'd be a bad influence on Scorpio. <laughs> I think that the Leo is gonna. Um, it is true. Yeah. Um, uh, Sagittarius and. Uh, uh, yeah, I think um, Sagittarius might want to like let's unpack things. Let's so you know you did that thing. Like how did how do you feel like that? You know, what does that mean for you? And I think that Leo would would um would lose. Well, Sag- Sag- Sagittarius wants to cuddle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and Leo wants to um you know it's like screw the neighbors. Well, I realize yeah. we just had our orgasms, but now maybe we could try this position. There we and go. <laughs> it's been twenty minutes. I'm ready to go again. But yeah, now let's try it in a different room. What's on cable? Um, <laughs> like, can we just lay here? And yeah. <laughs> the sun, the Capricorn, yes. Like just that sort of sort of selffulness. You know, I think it would be great. Um, I think they would be able to to really have a good time, and the party might they might not notice that the party has ended like an hour ago. <laughs> you know, and everyone else has left. I think they would just be like having the, they'd be living for themselves. Um, page of swords. Um, no, I think that they would find uh, Aquarius limiting. So Leo, I think, doesn't need that sort of of minutia that uh, that Aquarius is looking for. And then the, I, um, my my concern is that Leo and Aquarius would bring out the worst traits in each other. 
Yeah. Because neither one of them are very good at focusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so you put them together and it's like, first of all, nothing is going to get done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they're always going to get distracted. And they're if one of them can't figure out... In the bedroom with you. Yeah. If one of them can't figure out how to distract themselves, the other one will immediately come up with an idea. <laughs> I think um, Pisces and... So for for Leo, I think Pisces would be like a non-starter. I think that... um, I think they'd go out and in like... You know how you have your inner monologue on a first date? <laughs> and you're like, oh, this person, no. Where I think they're at different places in their lives and it's timing more than anything else. And they would um, stop returning calls. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. Virgo. Which brings us to Virgo. Yes. So. I don't. Mm, let's see. I think I think Virgo would be good for Taurus. Some of these we probably already said too. <laughs> Because we've said yeah, this previously. But now it's from that from the other but, side of the thing, right? Yeah. But I think Virgo would be good for Taurus because both of them are kind of re examining and reassessing how they used to think and finding a new a new right <laughs> for them, a new truth for them, a new reality for them. Um I think that I, I think Virgo would probably find Gemini a little too stuffy and a little too staid and stoic. Mm-hmm. Um, a little too set in their ways. Uh, I think that Virgo and Cancer would be okay. Um, although, <laughs> if you're trying to figure out what new order to come up with, that combination isn't going to be very good to figure that out because they're just going to still run around <laughs> throwing Molotov cocktails and saying, we need to change things, but we don't know what to change it to. Um, and I think... Well, Leo and Virgo would be okay too, but see this both with both Leo and Cancer, I think that all three of those kind of exacerbate the wrong things for each of them. Because um, there's, if you're out trying to figure things out and you're just around other people who are so unfocused that all they do is come up with, well, we could try this, but we could also try this. How about we try this? Well, we could try it this way. You're never really going to come up with a solution <laughs> because nobody is able to focus enough to say that might work or let's try that and see where it takes us and then figure out if we need something else. So I don't think that Cancer, Leo, and Virgo should all intermingle very much if they're trying mm-hmm. to get anything serious done. If they want to just go out and have a good time, fine, great. <laughs> but... um and then, well, you know, Virgo Virgo may be another kind of good influence for Libra. Because, again, Virgo is able to help somebody, is able to see the gray area. And I think Libra, with that Eight of Swords, really gets stuck in right and wrong, black and white. You know, this yes. person did this and hurt me, therefore, blip. Why? Um, yeah. And, and I think that, Virgo would be good at helping them kind of see beyond that, mm-hmm. um, not get so stuck in that. Um, what if we looked at it this way? What if we approached it that way? But what if we took this step? Um, Have you thought about Virgo and Scorpio? Well, <laughs> what would you say about that? <laughs> reverse I mean, reverse I wonder I, I, if they would survive it. Right, I, like, yeah, I know because 
I think that Virgo would be really good at always being able to come up with the excuse and justification of why it's okay to do it just this one time. Yes. <laughs> and that's not what Scorpio needs right now because that'll yeah. cause them to fall right back into what it is they're trying to break free of. That's what Scorpio is. I think Sagittarius would be a great comfort for a Virgo because Virgo is so like, I don't know what's right and wrong anymore. And Sagittarius be like, and I'll just help you to make it feel better and you'll just be okay. It's all going to work itself out. Calm yeah. down. Play your phone. Virgo and Capricorn, I think, would be good. Virgo and Aquarius would be good. Virgo and Pisces, I don't think, are necessarily the best combination this year. Mm-hmm. Um, because Virgo is needing to see beyond the rule book that they've lived in for so long and Pisces is kind of in their own little world that's not really looking out um, so I don't think that would be a very good combination mm. I think that so we've been picking we've been bagging on poor Libra here as if like and you know it's, the whole year can't be that bad but there, there's a theme here Eight of War, Swords of like how do I get out of this and so with that in mind Aries now because they won't be able to slow down enough. Taurus, they'll be going through their own version of that and trying to move on. I just think that they would be, they're, they're probably too similar in their paths that it's, um, it would be very hard to get that to click. There's sort of almost not enough separation. I'm going to say Gemini, yes. Because Gemini with that emperor is not going to take, you know, um, Libra's shit. <laughs> they're you know they're not gonna um, allow for that. I think with that that emperor, I think Gemini is gonna demand clarity and and receive it. Cancer, um, I could be creative. Um, I think those two could be creative together. I think those would have a great conversation. I think Cancer and, Le- and, and Libra would be able to really connect with what the other person has experienced. So they'd have like a lovely coffee shop kind of discussion. I think uh, can- Cancer, I think, would be really good for Libra because yeah. Cancer would would be able to point out real world actions and ways that Libra can change their situation. Mm-hmm. Versus if, now, and I would say the opposite: if the, if the Hierophant card was upright for Cancer, then mm-hmm. I would think Cancer would be horrible for a Libra mm-hmm. because it would be the person who would say, "Well." I know you're having this problem in your relationship, and the thing that can help is you, you just need to pray about it. There you go. Also, can- cancers like, tend what? to um, <laughs> seek safety, you know, and uh, be a little bit uh, emotionally like kind of the homebody. And uh, I think that might be um, enabling <laughs> to Libra. Uh, Leo. Um, mm, I think Leah would be able to say to Cancer, like, imagine a better world. You know, imagine a world better than this one and stop waiting for it. You know, like, it's, they, I think they would be able to show them options. Like, well, you could do this. So, I think we talked about that, but, uh, yeah. Virgo, I think we'd still get, we'd be, we'd be stuck trying to get back to Source. <laughs> Whereas, uh, Libra needs to get away from Source. Libra and other Libras, I guess one thing we haven't talked about, Libra and other Libras, um, 
No. Uh, Scorpio. Scorpio reversed. Uh, sorry, Scorpio with that devil reversed. Um, oh, man. Uh, yes. I think they would I, go to 12-step programs together. <laughs> like, but I, 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 don't, I don't think that Libra would be healthy for Scorpio. No. But, um, and then Sagittarius. A little bit, I think they would be, you know, they would benefit from if, if, if Sagittarius with their adventurousness. I think they, they would encourage Libra to keep moving and um, loving that person, hearing that person could be nice. So again, I think they would be good for the Libra. I don't know how that would... And and if this is the year for Sagittarius to do that, then great. There you go. There's your project, Sagittarius. Find a Libra. Um, Capricorn. Yeah, but you got to keep up. Right, like uh, you have to again. That'd be great. Like hitch hitch your wagon to that, but keep going. Aquarius. Yeah, I think um, I think Capricorn would be too overwhelming for Libra. Yeah, and I think Aquarius would just encourage them to stay in their situation and just well, maybe we haven't considered all of the things that are going on. (laughs) You know, Um, maybe that inquisitiveness to learn something new, but no. And then Pisces. I mean, if Pisces is with anyone, I would sure. say, oh, really? Like I, 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 I would say no to Pisces because out of that. Pisces just wants to hide away in their cave, and that's really yeah. all Libra too. Right. Yeah, they need to. They're certainly not gonna. <laughs> they're not because Libra needs to break free. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. They'd be horrible. You know, and and the hermit, uh, the Pisces really understands that right now. What I need is to withdraw. Mm-hmm. into my own little world. But that's not what Libra needs right now. So I don't think that they would be really, I, I think it would be very unhealthy for that combination. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And now how about that? Uh, Scorpio. Scorpio. Oh, um, well, I do think, I think Scorpio would be good for Taurus. I think I think Scorpio and Gemini would just like constantly butt heads because Gemini wants to discipline and everything to be structured and follow the rules and Scorpio with the reverse devil is like, but I'm free. I throw off the shackles of your disciplining. You're not my father anymore. Um, I think that with cancer, it it could go either way, but it's going to go extreme either way. So you'd have to be really careful and aware. <laughs> if you started to see it slip into a, a unhealthy side, get away quickly. Um, I think Leo would be good. Um, I, I don't know that Virgo would be the best for Scorpio. <laughs> um, I think there would be a little bit of a well, it's like I said before. <laughs> Virgo would, would be too good at being able to come up with a justification for why it would be okay <laughs> just this one. And that would not be good for Scorpio right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Scorpio and Libra should just stay away from each other. Um, Scorpio and Sagittarius, I think, are good. Mm-hmm. Because it it, it can be very electrifying what Scorpio is going through 
and Sagittarius is able to kind of cool that down a little bit and say, okay, <laughs> it's going to be fine. We don't need to like, you know, <laughs> electrocute ourselves, but it, it brings a sense of maturity to it. Um, Capricorn would be great for Scorpio because Scorpio is throwing off their old conditioning in order to be themselves in the world and not fear rejection or ostracization or judgment. And mm-hmm. Capricorn has fully learned that or is experiencing that and would be a great example of that as well as really good at helping encourage that and, and push that along for the Scorpio. Um, Scorpio and Aquarius, the, the only thing I would worry about there with that Page of Swords is the the childlike aspect that's why i think that the the sagittarius was was good because of the maturity of the queen mm-hmm. whereas i think that the immaturity of the page would probably not be good for where scorpio is at right now mhm they might feel um, analyzed especially with respect <laughs> their paranoia yeah like they and, like they're a, an insect in a jar <laughs> and scorpio and pisces not really, because again, to me, Scorpio is going through this process of breaking free and 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 going bigger, and Pisces is in this going inward mode. Mm. Let's see, which brings us to Sagittarius. Aries. Wait, sorry. Sagittarius. Oh, Sagittarius. Oh, the love, 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 love. Um. I think if the Sagittarius can just be all about what the, the Aries is doing, if it can be that kind of uh, imbalanced relationship, then hey, sure. But Aries will be in charge. Um, but I, And I think Sagittarius okay. is able to do that. Queen of Cups yeah. would be very able yeah. to support and be mm-hmm. you know, behind the scenes and right there for the person. Yeah. Um, Taurus, not the best. Like, sure, but not, not, not the best. Um, uh, Gemini... I think that I could see that if the because the you know the emperor is is sort of needing the boundaries and and then the whatnot I think uh, I I think that Sagittarius be able to work with that. Um, cancer, not exciting. It wouldn't be very exciting. Useful but not exciting. Uh, Leo, uh, ooh, um, yeah, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> I think Leo needs more adventure. Uh, Virgo, justice reversed. Yes, and no. Wait, we, we, we. I think you, you touched on this earlier, but uh, not, not ideal, not ideal. Um, Libra, we talked about polytoxic Scorpio. Um. Other Sagittarius is yeah yeah that would be that was that sort of like um, little love best oh my god I totally get what you're saying oh my god I totally would get what you're saying <laughs> you're like oh my god that's great like I just I, I'm ascending I noticed that about you <laughs> you know that kind of thing uh, Aquarius yeah I think they would oh sorry Capricorn um, yeah that'd be great um, eh, I think I think Sagittarius is sort of like the universal donor here. Um, in some ways, I think they have something to give everyone, and it just does that person need that right now? Um, you know, and of all the people, 
Yeah, Aquarius, yeah, they'd be able to kind of like, I think they'd be the person that Aquarius could talk to about all their discoveries, you know, about what they're going through. I think they would just be really thrilled for that. Uh, Pisces, of, okay, so of all the people, I think that Pisces with that hermit would help, like that hermits do want to, like they want other people to see them. They want to share a bit of that light. So it could, if you could get them to kind of unwind, if you gave them a drink first or whatever, <laughs> like, or hey, we'll play some good music. I think it could be fine. It okay. wouldn't be easy, but it could be great. <laughs> all right. Are we almost there? Were we? Mm-hmm. We've, reco- so, we've covered all of them by now, like the the pairings, but it's true. Yeah. Switch to Capricorn. Capricorn and Capricorn and Aries, I think, would be okay. Capricorn and Taurus would be great. Capricorn and Gemini would probably do really well together. They would certainly get a lot done and manifest a lot <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. Um, Capricorn and Cancer, I would say, would also be good, probably with Capricorn being much more of a good influence for Cancer than the other way around. Um, Capricorn with Leo would probably be frustrating because... Leo would just be a bit too scattered for Capricorn, but they would have some fun together. <laughs> yeah. But I think we talked about that. If they want to try to get something done, probably not the best com- uh, com- uh, combination, but if they want to just go out and have a good time, probably be really great. Um, Capricorn and Virgo, I would say would probably be good because Capricorn would make them feel confident mm-hmm. in exploring the gray area. Um, Capricorn and Libra would actually be good, but just because Capricorn would probably be a really good influence on Libra because they would try to really (laughs) jolt them out of their (laughs) state of being. Um, Look at the joy that awaits you if you just come out of your prison. Yeah. Uh, What is the light, Caroline? (laughs) Capricorn and Scorpio, I think, would be really good, actually. Um, Capricorn and Sagittarius. Well, I think we talked about this. I think Capricorn would be a bit much for Sagittarius with that Queen of Cups. Um, but they could balance each other out actually kind of nicely because you have kind of the ultimate fire card of the sun and then you have this kind of ultimate water card with the Queen of Cups. Mm-hmm. So they, they actually could be a nice... They, they would offset each other nicely. Because Capricorn would, you know, motivate uh, the Sagittarius a bit, and Sagittarius would help to kind of calm the mm-hmm. the the fire of Capricorn a bit. Uh, Capricorn and Aquarius mm. could be interesting because certainly it would inspire Aquarius to think as big as they want to and believe that mm-hmm. anything is possible. There you go. And. Capricorn and Pisces, I don't think would be the best fit for this year, simply because mm-hmm. if Pisces is off in a cave, it's, they're not out in the sun. <laughs> yeah. And, and Capricorn is not going to want to go into a cave. That's right. So, my goodness. All right. Which brings us to Aquarius. Aquarius and Aries. I think they. I think they would find Aries fascinating. Um, I don't think they're the Aries that interested in them. Uh, Taurus, yeah, I think that they would be a good sounding board, but other than that, 
Um, Gemini. I can't remember what I said earlier about this pairing. <laughs> but uh, I think that they're not... Um, I'm not feeling super strongly, but I mean, like, I think they would, le- the idea that they're learning or change, trying new things, I think they'd both be like, wow, we're both at our places in our lives where we're changing new things. Uh, cancer, yeah, I think they'd find cancer very interesting. They could, um, but, um, and I think, the, again, the exploration would be good. Leo, I, I think they'd be too slow for poor little Leo. So I think so. I think basically Aquarius. If we're looking at this as the Page of Swords year, I think they'd find anyone who's kind of externally focused very interesting. And so Leo, yes, but Virgo maybe not because Virgo, I mean, is is sort of trying to figure self out. I don't know. I get they're kind of again another universal donor in that they're kind of interested in everything, but sort of in general, even without the, the tarot card, um, Libra. Um, no, <laughs> that would be, uh, um, not conducive to what Libra needs this year. And so, uh, Scorpio, um, I don't think they would have enough to offer Scorpio, uh, Sagittarius. Sure. That'd be fun. I think they would have a lot of fun. I think that, I think that Aquarius is not going to like want to settle down at all this year. And so it, it, it might I don't know. Yeah. We're going long on this. Yeah. Uh, I think Aquarius. It, Aquarius is going after the cougar of Sagittarius. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Um, Capricorn. I don't think they would register. On the uh, other Aquarius, absolutely. Other Aquarius would be lovely uh, for the time. They, you know, little uh, exploration buddy. And I think that um, they would bug, kind of as you mentioned, they'd bug the ever living shit out of Pisces. So <laughs> uh, I don't see that happening. And then poor Pisces, man, they're kind of... Well, I think Pisces would be okay with Aries. Yeah. Um, maybe with Gemini. But I would be worried that Gemini would be too <laughs> fatherly. I would mm-hmm. try to be... But, but this is how you should do it. But this is what will work. This is, you know, whereas Pisces needs to be finding that out for themselves by going to the cave and let that wisdom come to them on their own rather than having somebody telling them how to do it or what to do. Um, Pisces and Cancer, I think that Cancer is a little too upheaval because Pisces mm-hmm. right now is wanting more of a refuge. <laughs> and so when the city is burning down around you, that's not exactly feeling like a safe refuge. Um, Pisces and Leo, I don't think would be very good because Leo is all about all oh, this, that, and the other. And Pisces is just like, but what is my next step? Well, I don't know, but your next step and then the second step and the third step and the fourth step, the fifth step, the sixth step, the seventh step, I can tell you all of those things. Let's look at all of those. Um, so no, <laughs> Pisces and Leo. Uh, Pisces and Virgo could actually be good if they if they were like you know with, with um, Aquarius and Aquarius you said they'd be good exploration buddies and I think that Pisces and Virgo would actually be really good contemplation buddies um, or meditation friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Pisces and Libra, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Because. Because Pisces is in a healthy place to be by themselves, whereas Libra has isolated themselves and needs to get out. Um, Pisces and Scorpio, not so much, because again, 
Scorpio is freeing themselves or it's Pisces is like, I'm just going to go in myself for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pisces and Sagittarius would be great, I think. Queen of Cups with the Hermit. I think that would work out quite well. Because <laughs> uh-huh, uh, Sagittarius would be the perfect support system for somebody going through that hermit process. You know, I'll I'll make sure that you have everything that you need. You just sit there and you meditate for seven days. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Pisces and Capricorn, I think, would be at odds with each other because Capricorn wants to go out and be the world and Pisces is like, can't I just stay in here for a while? Yeah, I think I'm really and, just, you know, going to do okay right now by myself. And Pisces and Aquarius, I don't think would be a very good fit either because mm-hmm. Aquarius is all like, oh, look at that. Oh, let's go over there. Oh, look at that. Um, whereas Pisces is like, I'm just going to sit here with this for a while. <laughs> oh, man. So... Lots of possibilities, and of course, if if the great love of your life happens to be uh, opposed this year <laughs> to what you're trying to do, it's not that it's not going to work. I think it's just that uh, just, you're going to have to be it, very it's that, clear. It's like, the, it's like the warning we talked about at the very beginning. Yeah. You go in knowing this could be one of the particular challenges during this year for us, so we have to be more conscientious about that and be more willing to accept that, to see that, and to make an extra effort to work through that rather than to see it and suddenly just throw up our hands and say, oh, well, if they're going to be like that, obviously this isn't going to work kind of thing. Yeah. So good luck, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and and fortunately, just remember, you can always hear this in the archives. So if you feel like it was a lot of information or you want to go back and refer back to it, you can always do so anytime here on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes. And we would anytime always invite you. Through, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. Anytime you go through all of the a big astrological look, it can be it's just it's just too much. And so, luckily, yeah, as you said, it's 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 there for in perpetuity. That's right. <laughs> so, thank you for listening. And to you, Charlie, I say happy anniversary because it's actually the second anniversary of our show. Oh, now uh, we're two. Our first show two years ago, December. And thank everybody for listening. If you'd like to join us on our Facebook page, feel free to do so at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Historical. We're always happy to have you there, hear from you, hear your feedback, continue the conversation. Yeah. And we will be here again with you in January, second Tuesday of the month. We look forward to joining you again at that time. Until then... Have a great rest of the end of the year and enjoy your holiday season. And stay away. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. Divination with a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Revolution with Haishu Lutner, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m.